It's Our Brooklyn Bites, episode 79. This is Leon. This is Stephanie. And we're back from our excursion to Boston for another PAX East. Another. So I guess we'll talk about what we saw, what we did, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, Why don't we start off with maybe some of the games that we saw, because of course this is a big game convention. There's a lot of games there. So why don't we, you know, maybe take a little walk through the aisles and... Mm. You know, We're not going to go through all of them, but... There's way more games than, Im- than we can talk it's to. It's impossible to play every game, even mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Right. But we can talk about some that we played. So, um, what do you think? Well, I can start off with one, if okay. you'd like. Uh, one of the games that caught my attention while I was wandering around the uh, the indie mega booth area, which, right. is like, which is kind of this big section of... I don't know if they're really sponsored, but... It's an organization that tries to highlight indie games, even though there's plenty of indie games that are out there all by themselves. They have their own tables. But there's this special section like within packs that sort of started to highlight indie games called the Indie Mega Booth. And one of the first games that I saw there was called Block Hood. And this is by a dev called Plethora Project, published by Devolver Digital. They're a big publisher of, of indie games. Uh, this this game is now on Steam Early Access, and it's described by the developer to me as a combination of Minecraft and SimCity, if you can imagine that. It's a vertical city-building sim. Uh, I'm not sure if I would compare it quite in that way, because there was a game called Sim Tower where you had to sort of build a building and manage the internals of it. But this one seems a little more like... Mm, there's like little little building units that you can put together, and I really like the look of the game. I like I like how it, the visual style is very appealing. Mm-hmm. It's realistic, but at the same time, like kind of abstract because I don't know if you're when you're looking at things like there's like cows and skyscrapers and stuff. I don't you know like I don't know if that's literally what's supposed to be happening, but uh, it's just it's just an interesting like aesthetic to it. I really like the way it looked. So that's something that I'm probably going to want to take a look at. And like I said, that's on Steam Early Access, so I'll probably uh, find out when that's actually going to come out at some point. Yeah, you're not the, the type to dive in, right? It's uh, an Early Access game? I think it depends on the game. Mm. Uh, I'm, I think I'm more inclined than, than you are, a little bit. Yeah. I know you've got some, some hesitations about doing that. but yeah, if, I've, I've spoken about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'll, take, I'll take a chance and see if it's something so, I would like. So now, was this the game that I said looked like a miniature golf course? <laughs> you did, right. <laughs> I said this would make a good miniature golf game. Yeah. It had, it had that look of, it reminds me of Zany Golf or something. Yeah, well, totally, because you have a lot of little sort of areas where there's like grass on different platforms. And I could see how you would make that There's like that little leap. spinning windmills. Yeah. For some reason, like on the top on the roof of the house. Right. Well, yeah, that's part of their thing. Like they mentioned that it's it's sort of ecologically minded. You're trying to sort of balance mm. resources and still stay, you know, nature friendly. I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on in this game. Yeah. But uh, I just like the look of it, so that's kind of why I wanted to check it out a little further. Very nice. How about you? So, in the in same section as the indie arcade, right. uh, it's sort of like a, sec- a, a indie section within an indie section. Mm-hmm. These are like little kiosks that they have 
of just like it's rather than having a booth it's just like a single kiosk oh right so one of the games i played there was called trial by viking mm-hmm. and this was kind of uh, like a side scroller um like hack and slash type of game it, it had a very european like Cygnosis style feel to it Kind of like um, the old like like Stormlord or something like something that remind me of, like on the Commodore Amiga right like, that type of game. Um, I was actually not that interested in when I first saw the game, and it was one of those things where like the the publisher will uh, often when you walk up to like a game if you show any amount of interest or if you make eye contact with the developer, yeah, will come right up to you and you know, and say oh play our game you know. And I almost feel bad saying no, mm-hmm. so I usually am like all right yeah why not. But actually I was having fun with it. It was a pretty good game. Um, the guy told me I was doing better than most people have played. <laughs> I noticed you were like blowing through this game. Yeah, yeah. He says uh, he says I was getting much further than almost anyone who's played that game. <laughs> you were very, uh, natural. You just took to it. Yeah, yeah. He said like parts where he said usually people die there, and I was like getting past it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like like I said, it has that kind of floaty kind of feel, like those old um, ocean games or like those type of thing. I'm trying to think of a, t- a game from that era, but um, like '90s pixel graphic kind of hack and slash right but uh, it was good yeah i think that's uh not sure if i'm gonna the game i would buy but i'm interested in it mm-hmm. yeah cool yeah not bad it looked i remember that game it was it had very crisp graphics i kind of liked the, the look of it because it reminds me of the kind of games i would get when like my, when like back on the pc early days when mm-hmm. i was, first started to get somewhat better video cards than what i started with when i first got the computer I noticed that I started to get games that are like, wow, I was really marveling at the crispness of the, uh, and the detail of the graphics. And it yeah. kind of reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. So let's see. I had another game on my list that I played. Uh, this was called Flint Hook. And this was by Tribute Games. Yeah, that one looked good. Makers of Mercenary Kings. And this is an action platformer that has like roguelike elements to it. I mean, they call it a roguelite. <laughs> it falls into that category. Um, but it has like this grappling hook mechanic that was a big part of the game. And there was also the ability to slow time to be able to perform certain actions or get past certain obstacles or things like that. Very easy to pick up and play type of game. I, I didn't have any trouble adjusting to the controls, even though there were some elaborate kind of things that you could do. Um, I'm pretty sure I'll 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 get this one when it comes out. I don't think it's coming out anytime soon. I don't think they picked out a release date for that one yet. It looks pretty polished. Look good from what I saw. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the only thing I would say is watching you play it because I didn't actually get a chance to try it, but it looked like you had struggled a little bit with trying to use your hook onto the because you're a lot of times you're swinging like by a commando, like just grappling yeah. onto like little rings that are on the ceiling. And it looked like you had you struggled with that a little bit. Like you were kind of aiming and it was going to the wrong hook, I guess. Uh, sometimes that would happen. It, a lot of times there's, there's a lot of little little hooks that you can grab onto. Uh-huh. So even if I don't get the one I'm aiming at, I'll get a different one and I'll still sort of accomplish what I was trying to do. Okay. So, yeah, maybe if I play it a bit more, I'll get a little better at it. A little mm-hmm. more precision. But overall, I had fun thought it was good yeah i think that's going to be a big game when it comes out Mm -hmm. for the indies okay so my next game up is in that same section where i was it's a game called ryb Mm. now this is i don't know what ryb stands for but i think it's red yellow blue 
Oh yeah, that makes sense. So this was on iPad. It was an iPad game, and it's a game of logic, very abstract. Uh, the the guy there, uh, their, their sales pitch was kind of funny on the game, telling me how the guy who made the game, uh, the designer wasn't there at the time, so I guess it was like his spokesperson or whatever. Mm. Uh, he said the game, the designer who made it is uh, a world renowned like <laughs> like logic puzzle guy. He solved like the hardest puzzles and. He put like a thousand hours into this game or something, some crazy sales pitch. So uh, I was like, all right, yeah, let me let me give this a try. So because uh, I like these puzzle games on the on the iPad, so they don't tell you anything. He says, I won't even, I'm not going to tell you how to play. That's not how this game works. You just have to dive into it. And the whole point of the game is figuring it out on your own. Mm-hmm. What does what? So it's very abstract. It's uh, all geometric shapes, circles, and triangles and stuff, and. Sort of like that old game, Lights Out. You know, you're going to tap one thing, and that might trigger other things to appear. Mm-hmm. And then you tap something else, and that might make other things disappear and reappear. And it's sort of like going back and forth, um, playing with those type of um, revealing and unrevealing mechanics. Uh, but also playing with color, too. Yeah. And uh, from what he said, and from what I gathered from playing it, it's not, it wasn't totally random. Um, there is actually logic to every like movement on how you solve the puzzles. Mm-hmm. So I had a ton of fun with it. I probably played it for a good 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Uh, I picked it up. I did buy it. It was like well, you, 99 cents. You wanted to, so. you wanted to beat the demo because they had like a little demo. I, I wanted to see yeah, the demo looked like the Triforce in Zelda. It had yeah. like one, two, three, four, had like four triangles and each triangle represented a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So I beat like four, three of the four or something like that. And then I felt like I was there too long. So, because mm-hmm. <laughs> they are, it was kind of hard, but I ended up buying it. I'm going to, I'm going to try to play through it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually that, that little area is called the, I think it, it's, it's within the indie mega booth. And I think it's called the indie mini booth. Oh, right. It's the <laughs> indie mini booth. Right. Right. So it's, that's, that's like kind of the, so they can cram more games into sure. a smaller space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That looked, that looked interesting. I don't know if that's my type of game. I can see that not being a, a lot of people's type of game, but yeah. it, it visually and uh, just aesthetically appealed to me the way it looked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so the next game that I looked at, or just at least one of the games I looked at, was called Cryptarch. And this is by a developer called Alien Trap, makers of Apotheon... And capsized. I don't know if you've ever played okay, any of those. I have that. Yeah, I played Apotheon on PS4. Mm-hmm. So this game is a 2D roguelike space shooter uh, where you enter these derelict space hulks that are just in space. You get missions. Uh, this interesting amount of like dialogue and cutscenes and stuff that happens before these missions, telling you what you have to do. But it's it's really cool the way they set it up. You sort of sent into these like alien spaceships or just like they're still active somehow. Um, you have to go in. You have to disable defenses. You have to destroy enemies um, and plunder treasures. I, I assume, and then you bring them back to your ship, and then you get money for it, and then you can do upgrades and things like that. So it sounds a lot like Galaxy. I think that's like a very obvious kind of uh, comparison to make for this game. It's uh, out on Steam Early Access at the moment, so could actually get this game right now, mm. and I believe it's coming to PS4. It's uh, coming soon. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember this game for some reason. Well, <laughs> Did I play this one? I, I played it, actually. You played it, okay. Uh, this was the one where 
I could go in and there were sort of like these cannons, these automated cannons that could rotate and they were like firing at me and I could like disable them to like get further inside. Okay. And there's like these other creatures that are like swarming around me. Uh-huh. Um, I found it a little difficult <laughs> on, yeah. my, on my playthrough. I, I didn't, I, I liked what I saw, but I don't know if I quite got the hang of the controls in time mm. to be able to survive long enough to get further. Yeah. It's tough sometimes. That was, demos. yeah. Yeah, some of the some of the games are very easy, and the controls are where I would want them to be if I was making it up. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just have to adjust to what the game, how the game is set up to play, and uh, somehow it wasn't I wasn't taking to it that that easily. But <laughs> but I still liked it, so I'll probably check it out. Has potential, maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so I played a game called Kathy Rain. Mm. And this was a funny story because this is this is a point and click adventure game, right? Which is like one of, on the lowest bottom level of games that I'd like to play. Mm-hmm. Not not my cup of tea, but they uh, you know they they I couldn't say no, and I'm like open minded, so I'll try anything. So it's not too bad. I, I thought it was pretty good. You play this like young sort of. Uh, I don't think she was a teenage girl, but probably like in her 20s or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's searching for a grandma and you're sort of traveling. You know, you, um, I, it's hard. To, there was a lot of story that I had kind of flipped through kind of fast because other people want to play. But um, uh, it, it's hard It's hard to say really what, what the whole game was about because, you know, it's one of those story-driven games. So. Sure. But in the early on, that's what the thing was. You had to find your grandma and you go to her house. Mm-hmm. You start like clicking on things around her apartment she sort of reacts to some things you're clicking on and um, you can sort of answer, ask her some questions and give her some dialogue to work with and then she'll answer you back. Yeah. So it seemed pretty good. Um, I don't know. It had that old school, like Monkey Island uh, sort of look to it. You know, the little pixely and... Right. Yeah, um, it definitely had like that LucasArts or Sierra style mm. like look. Uh, definitely captured that. Yeah. So I don't know anything else about the game. I don't know what the story is. No. But, but uh, uh, it looks like it might be coming soon. If not, it might be out already. I didn't check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually going back to the game I talked about, um, related to it anyway, was uh, Galaxy, which I was surprised to see at the show. Mm. But it was in a new form, right? It was a little deceiving. <laughs> so there was a version there called Galaxy uh, Variant Mobile. And as the name might suggest, this was actually a tablet version of the game. Mm-hmm. And this time it was published by Gung Ho Mobile. So I guess this is, uh, they, I guess they do more of the puzzle and dragon style games. They, I think they that's one of their titles. I think it was, yeah. It was were, at that booth. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, even know this was really coming. Even though it was announced last year, I yeah, wasn't, I wasn't it was. aware of it. I know. I, when we came back, I, I was doing some research, and uh, I, I found out there was an article that it was coming out. And I was like, mm-hmm. "How did I not know about this?" Yeah. And I mean, you played it also. So, yeah, yeah, we so, both played. They had a whole bunch of iPads set up with the game on demo. I thought it played reasonably well. I thought it played great. I don't know. It had for a game that has super complicated controls. Mm-hmm. I figured it out easily. I beat the first level. It does seem like they simplified the ga- the level design and, and gameplay a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it has... Uh, so it has three, um, three like, kind of sliders right. on the touchscreen. And, you know, you can... Depending on where your thumb rests and, or pushes on the, on the slider is how your, your, mach- your, 
ship might shoot like missiles or bullets or thrusting, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds it seems complicated, but I picked it up in like a minute. Yeah, I mean, the, the, like sort of the bottom part of the screen is dedicated to controls. And yeah, you have something that's sort of like a virtual analog stick, and then you, you have thrusting, you know, and the ability to like thrust your ship and then fire and, and so on. And I, I didn't run into any of the kind of complicated situations that I ran into with the full game. Yeah. So I don't know if they kind of dumbed down the action a little bit. Uh, it's po- yeah, because I didn't play the. I only played like the first level on, on the Me real, too. On, yeah. No, I mean uh, on the actual real game. Oh, I on see. On the console game. Uh-huh. So I don't know beyond that. Um, but So I don't know like how closely it compares. Mm. But I did get to a situation where I had two enemies trace of like following me. Right. And then they started battling it out. So it does have that <laughs> in there. I don't know if you experienced that part. Yeah. Well, if they're enemy factions, they'll fight each other. Okay. So, well, yeah. So they kept it true too. Right. <laughs> um, the graphics looked pretty identical to the looked console the, version i did notice when i was like kind of moving fast and it was like because of enemies chasing me or a lot of um like effects going on mm-hmm. the frame rates did drop a little bit um kind of noticeable too mm-hmm. but this is super beta you know anything they could fix all that stuff right um, i did want to know if it worked with a controller mm-hmm. um, did you ask them if it uh no i mean the little bit of interaction i had with the people who were sort of helping out yeah didn't really seem to know a whole lot about the game i know they were kind of just there like almost to just make sure people don't steal the ipads although <laughs> well i mean they did tell me that to to use the exit point i mm-hmm. had to hold down the the action button oh, okay because i was i floated over the exit and it wasn't doing anything and they told me oh, you have to hold it down okay so um I guess they knew they knew something about it, but I mentioned to them how I I already had played the game on PlayStation and I really liked it and I was happy to see it there. And they're like, "Oh yes, thank you." Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that was like about the extent of the reaction I got. Yeah, we didn't. We don't know any price point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to know if it's going to be free to play or how they're going to monetize this game. Right. Yeah. Interesting, but but it looks good, and I'm very excited that that's coming out. Gives me hope that maybe the Vita version will come eventually. Because that was originally part of their plan, and then they ended up canceling it, saying that it was uh, too complex of a game, or really? the, or that the Vita couldn't handle it, or something oh, like think, that. Oh, I think, yeah, I mean, if they can do it on, although, who knows, maybe the processors in, in mobile are up to, uh, up to speed to Vita now, I don't know. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, my next game up is Assault Suit Lanos, mm. which is not necessarily a new game but it is a remake of uh, correct me if i'm wrong but target earth on the genesis mm, that's right okay this is i think it's been out in japan for a good six months i would say at least mm-hmm. and it might even be on steam already but i think we were playing the ps4 version because you, you picked up the controller too and played a little bit of it yeah it was a it was a you know dual shot controller so i guess it's getting now a u.s release mm-hmm and I'm um, not a big fan of Target Earth or that series. Right. The, the Soul Suit Lena series. But, um, I don't know. It played pretty good. It's hard. <laughs> There's a lot of bullets and missiles and it seems a little unfair at times. But I, I, I passed the first level. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I did play I played a little bit. And it is, it is challenging, but it's not quite as cheap as the original Genesis game was. Yeah, that game. <laughs> that game's ridiculous. Brutal. 
I'd say it feels a little closer to to the uh, that the other game in the series that I played, which was Cybernator on the Super Nintendo. Right. So this right, is yeah, this yeah. is the other uh-huh. Assault Suit game uh, based on it was that that game was called Assault, Assault Suit Vulcan in, ja- okay. in Japan, and Assault Suit Linos was the original title of Target Earth in Japan. So it's all part of you know they're all interconnected in some way. Uh, the other thing is they are releasing a Steam version as well as PlayStation. Okay, yeah, I don't know if that was released yet or not. Mm-hmm. At least in America, I'm not sure. Um, it's, I think, targeted for this summer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's by Rising Star Games. Mm. So they're making, a, they're making a lot of, like, smaller indie games and import games for, for PlayStation. It seems like they're doing that a lot. They're the ones that I always see that have these, you know, lower price games at retail that I'm surprised to see a lot of times. Right, yeah. But I think they're charging full price on this game. Isn't it like a $60? I don't think so. No? Okay. No, I'd be surprised I if thought it was that, that much. In Japan, that's what they're charging on. I could uh, be wrong. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Some of those games in Japan are really overpriced. Well, maybe you think of Darius. Maybe. Remember Darius Burst, right? Yeah. yeah. that That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. Maybe that'll come out too. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised to see that here too. I wasn't. I didn't know that was coming out. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so another kind of trend that I saw at this, at this show, uh, I saw, you know, a lot of games based on astronaut simulation, <laughs> which I, yeah, which I thought nice was, there's a big section on it for me. That was great because ever since playing echo night beyond, mm-hmm. you're ready to go into space. <laughs> I've been looking for more like space adventures that are based in sort of, um, you know, like an extension of our space program or something like that. Yeah. You know, something that looked like it could happen. We're going to ship you to the moon. <laughs> exactly. Well, so one of them was called uh, Deliver Us the Moon. And this was by a company called uh, Kyokin Interactive. And this one is sort of an astronaut survival, like, exploration game on the moon. Right? Uh, this is set in a future where the Earth's resources are depleted. And this astronaut is sent on a mission to uncover some secrets in order to save mankind somehow. There's no real explanation of what happened or why, mm-hmm. what he expects to find there. But, you know, mysteries. It's a mystery game, so they're not going to tell you that stuff up front. Yeah. Uh, I think this one has Oculus support. I think they were telling us this. Oh, wow. This was the one where the, the people showing it off were dressed in, like, blue astronaut suits. Oh, right, right. Yeah, this was the behind the character, the third-person view. Um, it had really slick, unreal engine graphics, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, well, we almost, like, didn't know what was the point of the game, right? I think mm-hmm. I asked them, like, so what is, you know, object of this? Right, yeah. <laughs> it didn't seem clear from the demo. And they said you have to worry about your oxygen levels, and mm-hmm. it's more like, almost like a simulator, but not really. Right. Yeah, and when I say astronaut suits, by the way, I don't mean the big, bulky, like, white spacesuits that they walk on the moon with. I'm talking about the blue jumpsuits that, like, the space shuttle oh, astronauts yeah. wore. You know, like, something right. like that. But it looked cool, and I'm kind of... It, it looked fantastic. The graphics looked yeah. amazing. Well, I think they mentioned Unreal Engine is, you know, it's ba- it's running under, so it should it should look decent. Uh, that game is currently on Steam Greenlight, so it's... I guess, been approved to be on Steam, but I think they're still testing. With they said they have quite a bit of work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was originally a Kickstarter. Oh, okay. And I think uh, the backers got access keys if they want to play it and, you know, improve it and help 
help with the development. Huh. I don't think it's available for anyone else yet. Um, so that's one I'm gonna. I added to my not my wish list because I don't think you can wish list stuff that's not available for sale yet. I, but I put it on follow. There's like a okay. Steam has a follow yeah, option now too, uh-huh. where you'll get notified of any new posts. Okay. And that, so I added that to my list. Nice. Um, I'm gonna throw in another astronaut game that I saw. Okay. Called Pollen. What was that? Uh, and this was off on another table, sort of near that that one. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is another... It looks very similar, actually. It's more first person. Um, this was more of a, a retro, alternate future exploration adventure. This one's not set on the Earth's moon. It's set on one of the moons of Saturn. Uh, mm. Titan, specifically. Um, they said this one also supports Oculus Rift. Uh, so I might actually, I might actually save some of these games for the day I actually decide to dive into VR. <laughs> I'm not going to be an early adopter. I'm pretty sure of that. But once it becomes a little more widespread and a little better supported, mm-hmm. uh, I think I might want to, you know. Just because the game that. supports Oculus Rift doesn't mean it'll be better with Oculus Rift. No, but it's the kind of game I'd want to experience that way. Yeah, okay. I think that's. I think that's the way I'm looking yeah, at it. Yeah, I remember it. this one. I'm not so sure. Uh, this one is actually available now. It's on. Steam, it's on GOG, and it's also on the Humble Store. Hmm. So, if you're interested in spooky astronaut games, this is probably up your alley. Okay. Uh, Up next for me is Paco 2. Hmm. And if you've ever played Paco 1, (laughs) that is the car chase simulator. Oh, yeah. It is on Apple TV. It is on iOS. I believe it's on Android. No, it's definitely on Android because I own it. And this one is, or at least the first one was, um, this looks like exactly like the first game, visually. It's this isometric, uh, sort of like uh, the first GTA game. Right. It has like that kind of look to it, but you're on an isometric view. Right. It's not totally top down the way the old GTA was, but it has sort of a, yeah, kind of like a sky view of what's happening. Right. Uh Uh-huh. And you have like the of like a neighborhood, and you know you're, you're so your mm-hmm. idea here is to so this one they they added with well, the first one was just a car chase thing. Now they added some other elements where you can now shoot from your car mm-hmm. as you're driving, and uh, shooting of course will get the police after you, <laughs> and you want to evade them. And now you can also explore different neighborhoods too, mm-hmm. which you couldn't do in the first game. One of the complaints with the first game was you were kind of stuck to this uh, sort of small area where you, you had to drive around. Yeah. And now you can explore different areas. Unfortunately, <laughs> I tried doing that and uh, I got to like a dead end and the guy says, no, we didn't program anything beyond this point. Uh-huh. So there's still, I guess they still have a lot of work to do. Um, I was a little saddened to hear that this game is coming for Steam and not iOS, even though it originated on iOS. Mm. So for some reason they said... Uh, they felt that iOS couldn't handle uh, the sequel, like what they wanted to do with it. To me, it's exactly the same. I didn't think it looked that better. It looks, you know, no different at all. Um, so I got to also say that the controls were not good. Mm-hmm. Just I could not even drive in a straight line, which the first game, I mean, with the iPad, it, it was kind of, that was the whole point of the game. It's one of those things where how many, how long can you survive? And, you know, you're just crashing like every two seconds and that, that's kind of the point of it. But this, the sequel seems to be more of a fleshed out game where you, where you maybe want to be able to control your car a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just wasn't happening. Mm. The controls were poor. Yeah. I so I, I don't know. I'm, 
I, I think they need to. They'll still. I'm sure they'll still work on it a bit better. Yeah, yeah. The the analog sticks just not capture the feel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that a touchscreen did. I noticed um, there were some parts where there was sort of like criminal activity happening, but it was like a little glowing circle, almost like crazy taxi style. Yeah, I think it was sort of like a crazy taxi. I was a little unclear what you're supposed to do. He was trying to explain it. I didn't understand him. Yeah. Um, if you, so like, yeah, this is like a big glowing circle. And if you stop your car in the circle, you could pick up a passenger. Right. But it didn't say if you're supposed to drop them off or you just get points for or that. Or like where to or, take them, right? Yeah, it wasn't clear. I because because when, he, when he said, I think one of the ways they pitched the game is they said it's Uber for criminals. So it's almost like you're a driver for hire, okay. And there's criminals that have a like I don't know if they've committed their crime already, and they're just waiting for a getaway car, uh, and you're like the getaway okay. car, okay. Um, which seems like a wacky idea because I mean they're just waiting on the street, right? Why yeah. why don't the cops just pick them up? Yeah. <laughs> why are they waiting for you specifically? And the cops w- weren't even showing up, so I, that's why he told me to shoot the gun, and that gets the cops to come out. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So I think it's probably still yeah. need some polish, work in progress. Mm-hmm. Neat. Yeah, they were. They were. I think Scandinavian. The, or the, the first game is not too bad. It's it's okay. It's um. They've been adding a lot of comment uh, content to it. Mm-hmm. So um, I can't speak badly of the first game. Yeah. Cool. So the second one, I'm sure, will, will shape up. I was surprised you recognized it when you saw it. Uh, he said I was like the only one. <laughs> he goes because I, I said Oh Paco too, and he's like Oh you know and I'm like Oh yeah I have the first one. He's like Oh you like the first person to say that you mm-hmm. know that you actually have the first game. But it's actually a really popular game. Wow. Yeah. On the, on the, I didn't know about it. Yeah. Uh, I have it on both, iOS and Android. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hmm. How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, another game that I saw there, semi-related to uh, the previous games I talked about, another another astronaut sim, was a game I've been looking forward to for a while called Astroneer. And this was a developer here is called System Era Works. This is that sandboxy sort of planetary exploration game. It's got the voxel-based terrain. Mm. Yeah, this one looked good. Um, You've got like a deformation tool where you can create tunnels or just flatten the ground or, Mm -hmm. you know, use it to unearth things, find artifacts. Uh, deformation tools. Is that what they call it? I th- think so. Made that up? Well, I think you can deform the terrain. That's, oh, okay. that's how it works. I it like goes back to like Populous or something, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like that. Uh, you know, you collect materials, you explore further. I, I didn't, I didn't get to play it cause there was, uh, I think a lot a of, line. Yeah. a lot of activity at that booth. Um, but I was happy to see it. And I'm I'm really looking forward to that game. Looks hitting, real good. It has a nice, simple, clean look to it, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, I mean, I did ask some questions about the game mechanics to, while someone else was playing, and um, yeah, I, I am pretty interested in it. It it has a very like the part of what gives it that clean look is I think the fact that everything is flat shaded or like uh, there's no textures being used on anything. It's very, it has a very sort of illustrated look to it, mm-hmm. you know, as a result. So yeah, it's one aspect I like about it too. Yeah. And he was using, uh, so you walk around with that yellow kind of like a cable mm-hmm. and you kind of plant them into the ground as you travel. Right. And then we found out that the cable, what you use that for is to not only power your, your backpack and give it power, otherwise you lose oxygen. Mm-hmm. But to also power like other like stations you can set up, right? And then you plug like a little extension cord into it. Yeah, and you can set up like little um, I don't know what they were like radar dishes and, mm-hmm. and things. 
Yeah, because you know you sort of you sort of land on a planet. You have a yeah. little you have a, you have your ship there, and you have a certain amount of power in your suit that you can you know explore away from, but it's limited. And in order to help persist that, you have to kind of create a tether back to your ship, and that's what gives you kind of your lifeline and also. Mm-hmm. It also if, makes it easy for you to find your ship, I suppose. Yeah. And also power other stuff. So we'll if you see. like, you know, space stuff and building stuff, it looks like it's going to be a fun PC, game. I think that's PC only, right? For now? Uh, Probably. Yeah, I don't it's, think it's... Okay. It is, it's definitely got a page on Steam. Mm. I'm not really sure right. what else they have planned. Nice. Hmm. So for me, uh, this game is called I Want to Be Human. Hmm. Uh, I didn't hear about this game before, so visually it was uh, interesting looking to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it had a very like 16-bit sort of that you know that kind of uh, like pixel pixel graphics sort of thing. Sure. Um, very like a lot of strobing lights and a lot of glitching. Mm-hmm. Like, glitching is part of this the graphics of the game. Uh, a very monochromatic look too, very red and black sort of feel to it. Right. Um, sort of like almost like a little punk rock sort of feeling. And uh, the, one of the things that stood out to me too with this game was uh, Jimmy Urin from Mindless Self Indulgent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he did the whole soundtrack or just the level I was playing on, but it had uh, his music in it, and um, I think he wrote the song specifically for the game. And also, sort of has his feel of. Um, I can almost picture, like, he had some say in this game. It mm-hmm. just had the feel of that. Uh, it was super hard. I couldn't... I, it, the, the level they put me on in the demo was, like, a boss fight. And the boss was... Uh, one of the, the boss attacks was, like, screaming a word. And you see, like, the letters popping out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, like, the glitching on the floor was, like, shooting stuff up. And there was just stuff all over the screen. I don't know what was going on. So it was a little bit frustrating. <laughs> I gotta say, it wasn't that much fun to play. Right. But uh, I'm, I'm putting it on my wish list because I like the look of it and I, <laughs> and I like his music. Uh-huh. So um, it has potential, but uh, hopefully it's not as hard as that. The demo was. It was very difficult. Mm. Yeah, it looked it looked crazy. I couldn't tell what was going on. Yeah, it is coming for PS4 and PC, and I think Xbox One too. It's supposed to be out real soon, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Neat. Um, I think at some point we also floated by the Devolver booth, the Devolver booth proper. Yes, there was someone in the Devolver booth that people might know. From, oh yeah, from YouTube. Well, yeah, you one of the one of, one of YouTube gaming personalities was there. Uh, someone who is in Metal Jesus Rocks uh, videos lately uh, by the name of Kinsey, one yeah. of one of the people that he's been featuring on. On some of his videos. Yeah, that was strange to I didn't see her. Uh, expect her to see her there because, you know, Devolver's usually in DPC games a lot of times. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I think of them. I mean, they make console games, too. <clears throat> uh, so I don't really know what her role there was. It seemed like she was helping them out with some of the demonstrations. So... And she was at one point fixing... One of those stations went down, and I saw her, like, underneath the station trying to fix the computer or whatever she was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surprising. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if she got that role. Yeah, um, I guess we'll keep an eye out and see <laughs> yeah. if she mentions it. But in any case, uh, they didn't quite have as many games as I would have expected them to have. Well, it's funny you say that because the last two years, I felt like they've had pretty much the same games. Mm-hmm. And then this year, I felt like less games, but new games. Like everything seemed pretty new. Right. With the exception of, 
I think it was uh, Enter the Gungeon was in their booth too. Yeah, it was up on the big projection that screen. That was the main game. In the center right? of the booth. And it had the big bullet uh, like sculpture guys. Right. Like little plushy, but they were gigantic life size. Uh huh. So that that was cool to me to see that. But that wasn't, even though that was the main game, you know, that's a game that's out. Well, already. that game's out and yeah. it seems to be a big hit already. Yeah. So I, I guess know. this it's is kinda... just a way to sort of attract attention mm-hmm. by putting it up there in such a prominent way. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, that definitely was a popular one. So they had two games that were running. Uh-huh. Uh, I got to play them both a little bit. Uh, so one of them was called Ruiner. And that one is kind of um, kind of isometric, but not quite. you still got sort of that overhead view, though. Uh, it's kind of like a cyberpunk adventure game. Uh, it's got some shooter combat in it. Uh, maybe kind of reminds me a little bit of Shadowrun for example. Yeah. Or it reminds me of Snatcher. If Snatcher was like an, a top-down... Well, sure, yeah. Any, any, anything... Or Blade Runner or something, yeah. Right, any, any kind of comic book or, you know, anime that might have been inspired by the whole cyberpunk theme. Yeah. Uh, definitely had that feel to it. Uh, but a little more combat-y than just a straight-up adventure. I mean, there's definitely portions where you just sort of talk, walk around, talk to characters... But very animated environment. I mean, everything was moving. Mm-hmm. It looked like a very alive scenario, at least the, the little bit of the town that I saw. You know, you saw guys on the street. Every every character was animated and moving yeah. around, had some kind of behavior to it. Um, you even saw guys on rooftops doing stuff. Completely unrelated to the story being presented. Just It's just scenery. A lot of attention to detail. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I would say the art style, though, definitely leans more towards what I would think of as a European graphic novel style, more so than anime, even though they kind of touted as anime inspired. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, it looks like all these, you know, wild sort of kind of comics that I used to read in heavy metal magazine or something like that. But it's, it's definitely got a cool feeling to it. I think it's, um, it's going to be one to watch. It looks really good. Uh, I just didn't get a feel of what was going on from what you played. It seemed like, something was broken or something or like, we s- couldn't seem to trigger the events of like what the next thing you were supposed to do. Well, I think I restarted it at some point. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know. know if, something was not right. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I caused it to st- start over from the beginning, mm-hmm. like maybe outside of what they wanted to demo. <laughs> Perhaps like, that's true. At least it feels like it to me because when yeah. I picked it up, it was in the middle of doing something. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Let me, let me try something, yeah, and then it kind of restart the game. Kind of restarted the whole game. Uh, I don't know if I really meant to do that, mm. but at any rate, that one looked good. And another game that they were showing was called Strafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this one is a sort of a first-person shooter game. Uh, the developer of that one is called Pixel Titans. This game, that game, is coming out in 2017. Apparently, it's still got a ways to go. But it's a throwback to the 90s style of shooter. Feels very much like Quake. Has that sort of aesthetic to it. The marquee above the screen even says, Bleeding Edge Graphics and Gameplay, Copyright 1996. Yeah. So they definitely... It was neat. It was... Know what they're pushing here. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it, even though, you know, the graphics were intentionally made to look like... An early nineties, mm-hmm. very low polygon count, yeah. sort of a style to it. But it had still like when you rotated around an enemy, it wasn't a two D. Oh right, no, like uh, graphic. 
Yeah, it wasn't Doom. It wasn't Doom style. Yeah, yeah. It was Quake style, yeah. where you had full, like, you know, fully rendered characters. Uh, actually, the little the little buttons that they had on the desk, uh-huh. it was they even had cool buttons of like little floppy disks, um, and it said like registered disk on the label, mm-hmm. and you know it said like it, you know very much like a shareware reference. Yeah, talking about how like you know those games back then they used to be distributed as shareware, and then if you liked it, you you got the registered version. You know. Yeah. Um, did you like it playing the game? I, I kind of liked it. I thought it was, yeah. uh, you know, worth a look. It, it got kind of tough because you ran out of ammo, and then the enemies just like there was like a thousand enemies following you. Right. I think I think this game is also procedurally generated. The mm-hmm. content. I don't think uh, the levels are always the same, so it seems like it'll have a lot of a lot of replay to it. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna keep an eye on it. Yeah, it looks good. Added it to my list as well. I played Hidden Folks. Hmm. This was on... This was a mobile game. I forget which area this was in, but um, it might have been in the the indie mini area. And this is a very simple black and white, uh, almost like a line art drawing. Uh, Actually, it's simple in in graphics, but it's actually a very detailed drawing. Um, He had it displayed on an iPad Pro, Mm-hmm. So it was a huge screen, and even there, everything was like super small and, and intricate. So what you have to do in this is sort of like the old, um, kind of like find the hidden object in the picture sort of thing. Oh, yeah. So they'll give you uh, like five people to find, and you have to look in the graphic and tap the character that you see in the picture, and then, you know, that's the whole point. However, the... The people in the photos are not always visible. They might be hiding. So you have to kind of tap on the screen in different spots. And, like, one person might be in a ditch or something. And then you have... Or might be behind a tree. So you have to, like, kind of cut the tree down by tapping it. And then you'll reveal the person. They'll be behind the tree. Mm. Now, do you have to... Do you just tap? Or do you have to, like, select a tool to do it? Or So, yeah. He he told me just... Because I didn't know what to do at first. Like, how to find... I, mm-hmm. I found, like, one of them pretty easily. And then I had trouble... So the guy was just telling me, you know, just keep tapping on the screen everywhere and then you'll just find them. <laughs> so I don't know if there is going to be... There was a tool there uh, that you could use, but it didn't seem like they ironed out a lot of what what goes on. Mm. Uh, he did tell me it was still early on, so they have some work to do. But it, it seemed kind of fun. Um, I don't know. The the graphic style was really nice. Mm-hmm. And the, the the drawing had some animation to it, especially when you were tapping some of the people... Uh, the other people would sometimes have dialogue. They would start talking to you and saying like, oh, you know, I hope this person doesn't check under here or, you know, did you try tapping behind the house and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe a kid's type of game or I'm not so sure where they're going with it, but um, it had a nice look to it. Hmm. Yeah, Hidden Folks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you pronounce the L? No, yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's your own version of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, well, uh, a game that I did try out, another one, is called The Flame and the Flood. And this is by a developer called uh, The Molasses Flood. Uh-huh. Was that what they were called? Yeah. That's the name of the, the dev, right. yeah, believe it or not. Uh, so this is considered a roguelite uh, kind of a journey type of a game with uh, a lot of river rafting, it seems. Survival. Yeah, survival yeah, I would say... That's definitely a big part of it. Uh, this stars a, a girl named Scout and her dog. 
um, looking for resources and materials to kind of craft with. Uh, you're out in the wilderness. Something's happened in the world. Something, I'm not really sure what the entire story is. But apparently she's kind of alone trying to find out what, you know, what's going on and, you know, what caused this current situation to exist. Um, you know, she's just basically trying to stay alive. Very, you know, survival focused. And uh, very nice production value on the game. Looks looks great. Played it for a while. You know, had to had to work through some puzzles with... You know, how to, you know, you have to worry about your resources, where you have to worry about having clean water to drink and, you know, getting shelter and, you know, staying out of the rain and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it looks real good. You have that dog that follows you. I forget right. the name of the dog, but mm-hmm. it was kind of funny when you were on the raft and you fell off the raft at one point right. and the dog was like still there uh-huh. and like the raft is like flying up in the air and stuff. It looked cool. Yeah. Actually, I think the dog's name was Aesop. Yeah, Aesop. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, because I remember when I go into the inventory screen, it gives you the option to maybe uh, store some of your items uh, with the dog. Right, um, yeah. So, uh, like you were saying, like, for instance, you, you when you fell off the, your raft into the water, you're now all wet. So, it's saying you're losing your health because you, when you're wet, you can get sick. Mm-hmm. So, you have to go to, you have to start a fire somewhere or find somewhere to, to get warm. Right. And then once you do that, then you're, you kind of eliminate that issue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're constantly running out of food. So, you have to find out, you know, how do I replenish food? And like you said, too, you can't just get a bottle and fill up, re- like, the water from the ocean. You need to, like, sterilize it. Right. You know, filter it. Yeah. So it's healthy to drink, otherwise you'll get sick. So it was like little things like that, which seemed like it could be a fun game. Yeah, if you if you like that kind of thing, um, like that, you know, games like Don't Starve and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I could see a heavy <laughs> influence of that game. Um, I think this game is on Windows, uh, OS X, and Xbox One now. So. Is it really? Okay, I didn't yeah. know that was out. Oh. So... It looks fun. I don't know if I'm completely sold on it. <laughs> no. I, I have to. Well, you played it, so it depends on how difficult it gets. That's that's the only concern uh-huh. I have. Um, it, it did seem pretty difficult, mm-hmm. just from what little you played. You know what it is? I don't like. I hate games where you have to worry about like oxygen and food and <laughs> stuff. Like where it's just constantly ticking down. You know. Well, here's another thing about this game. I noticed that the game doesn't pause when you go into your inventory. So the game oh, keeps going. always running, even when you have to look. So you, you have to get very used to where you keep things uh-huh. and how to do certain things. It's a, yeah, because I think you even you did something. I think you went to sleep, right? And you went to sleep, and so time kind of changed for like, what, a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And then when you got up, your your food level went much lower because right. now all those hours that you were sleeping, you're more hungry. And, and I, I was like, oh my god, this is going to be crazy to keep track of. How are you supposed to do this? Yeah, and I thought I was going to be like, like my health would be restored by right. going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so it looked good. I mean, the game looks really nice. Yeah, it has a nice style. But I would, um, you know, I would read up more on that if it sounds appealing. <laughs> I'll go back to mobile again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played this game called Pop Lock. Hmm. And this is a super duper basic game. It's available right now. I think it's actually free on on the iOS store. And these are uh, two guys from, or, or I think he said his team was seven, maybe, but the two developers were there. And it's uh, a, a very f- sort of simplistic image of a like um, master lock sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And you have a line that you have to tap the line and 
the line will start rotating and you have to make it you have to make sure you hit tap the line again before it hits like this little ball object if it hits a ball object then you lose so you're, you're just kind of tapping the line over and over again. Every time you tap it, it, it changes direction clockwise and counterclockwise. Mm-hmm. And it keeps going back and forth. And then after, like, ten taps or something like that, then you go to the next level. And you keep going and going and going. I think he told me... He told me there was 300 and something levels, I think he said. But they're adding more. And he told me that he thought they had a lot of levels in the game. Like, just out of just right away and then he told me like the first day someone already like plowed through all the levels in like seven hours they did it (laughs) wow he said they couldn't believe it so they had to like immediately add in more into the game um i i I don't know how they monetize the game i haven't downloaded i actually did download it but i didn't go back and play it yet Hmm. so you might have to buy the extra levels i don't know yeah um it's a super simple game though and and as as a developer told me he said it's the type of game that you would play like on the bus or on the subway and mm-hmm. you know you take it out play for like two minutes and then that's it so, okay you know it was all right <laughs> i i must have missed this one i must have been looking at something else cause yeah i, I, I might this have game. walked away when you were playing something else mm-hmm. i don't know all right sounds interesting though yeah uh all right well here's a game that we both played uh this was called last fight and this is by a developer called Piranha King. <laughs> I would describe this sort of like a Power Stone style game. It's a right. an arena brawler type of game. Um, it's got a bit of a like a French comic book flavor to it. Uh, we played this game as a like kind of a two v two team battle sort of uh, setup. There is a story mode as well, and also a one on one mode. But this one has, like, a lot of different characters. I think at least ten different characters. Um, They all have, like, different transformation moves that they can do when they power up. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of... A couple of different... They seem mostly human, though. Mm -hmm. They're not... Yeah. It's very, like, street... Although my guy was like a fish guy or something. Oh, was he? Yeah, he he was like... like, I think I got the boring guy, the boring (laughs) character. He's like vanilla guy in, like, a high school kind of jacket. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I think I think there was some variety there. At least, you know, depending on yeah, what you're looking maybe, for. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of different stages, a bunch of different like weapons and items that you can pick up while you're fighting. Um, seemed okay, but seemed like good for like a party game kind of a thing. Yeah, that's how I kind of felt. It doesn't seem like the kind of game I would pick up for solo play. Well, I'm also not a fan of Power Stone, uh-huh. so maybe if you're a fan of that, that this game would be appeal to you more. Yeah, I mean, that's... I, I think as it is with a lot of fighting games... Because I, I like brawling games, but... Yeah. I don't know, it just seemed a little limited. Um, but it played well. It looked good. It played well. It mm-hmm. had a very, like... Almost like Neo Geo, like, 24-bit kind of look to it. It wasn't really 16-bit. Yeah, but in 3D. Because he had 3D movement. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. could run around in the stage and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at least at least for that mode, maybe the story mode gives you more to like chew on in terms of yeah, uh, solo but mm-hmm. fighting for the actual fighting mode yeah i think you need multiplayer action for this yeah um i think that game is for pc and consoles so yeah i'm that pretty sure sounds appealing could look that up um let's see i think there was another game that i saw that i didn't actually get to play but we passed by it uh it's called thumper do you remember this one? It's getting... Yeah, I do remember it, it 
getting a lot of talk recently. Yeah, this is described as a rhythm violence game. Yeah, I don't know why they're calling it that. <laughs> well, you're some kind of space beetle, and you're flying forward towards this, like, head that's, like, in space. Mm-hmm. Looks really weird. You're on this track. Yeah, and I think it, like... I think what it does is it, like, throws attacks out at you, and you have to deflect it back at it. I'm not really sure how the gameplay works. I don't know. It, it didn't look that great to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, visually, it was okay. It had, like, a lot of fancy particle effects and lights and yeah stuff like that, but it just didn't look that interesting, like, to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the thing that made me stand, that stood out for this game for me, was though, the tagline? was, well, was your what? comment, actually. Well, what was my comment? <laughs> your comment was dumb comment i'm sure you, you commented how great the game looks in like a setting like like the pack show floor yeah but at, what never looks like it at home when you've got the game at home right yeah it's true i think it because on a huge like 80 inch tv it looks awesome uh-huh. you know in the, in the setting like packs and then you come home and it's like some dinky you know free game of the month that you download and you're like ah oh, this game is kind of stupid and I never play it again <laughs> i don't know i i, I I mean, it just looked visually interesting, but I really don't know how the gameplay I don't, yeah, I don't would, know. would hold up. It didn't, it didn't really draw me in. The music didn't sound that great, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I noticed the game is uh, not only on Steam and PS4, but it's also for PSVR. Oh, okay. So, um... I don't know. I'll check it out, but... Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, Star Mazer. This is a shmup. And uh, I wish I remembered the guy's... A selling point of this game because mm-hmm. he kept telling the he had the same intro to how he started like how he sells his game and he kept telling everyone who walked by the same exact thing it was hysterical oh yeah well i do remember how he described it Dude, what was he saying well basically so the game is is a horizontal shooter uh-huh. right but it's got roguelike elements to it and he keeps saying how like you you'll die a lot but that's good because oh yeah <laughs> That's what he was... <laughs> he, he, well, because basically what it is is that, like, he says, like, in a normal game, you have lives, right? You have, like, uh-huh. let's say four lives in the game, like like Gradius or something yeah. like that. And, you know, when you come back, it's, like, the same ship. But he says in this one, it's almost like you're all pilots in a fleet. So every time you lose a life, you get a different ship with, yes. a, with a different pilot. Different ship, different pilot. Different set of abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I guess that's the sort of angle on this game yeah and i I think it was sort of procedurally generated levels Mm -hmm. i believe he said right uh so when i sat down to play he told me to to put the headphones on right and i thought like everyone always tells you like all these devs tell you that so i I don't like to do that because i want to get sick i don't want germs Mm -hmm. so i told him you know do you mind if i don't put the headphones and he's like no you can still play without it so, uh, I played it and it seemed like a standard shoot 'em up. I didn't really feel anything special about it. Yeah. Um, I didn't notice like a lot of power ups. There were some, I got pretty far in it. I think I played it for quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I st- was still looking on YouTube later on, there's actually the headphones play an important part of this game, <laughs> which I didn't realize. So when you're playing, you're constantly hearing the pilots talk to you. Right. And you're hearing all this dialogue. And when you die, you hear, like, the whole interaction of, like, the next pilot taking over. And it sort of makes more sense what's going on. Mm-hmm. So that was whole... That was, and the music's pretty good, too. And so that all missed out when I played 
the um, the non headphones version. <laughs> right. I think I think he was also describing how you can like the more you score, the more points you get. You uh-huh. can use those points to go back to your ship and then like unlock more pilots and unlock more stuff. Yes. And maybe even more ships to be able to send in things like that. Um, so I don't know. It looked interesting. I think the full title was Star Mazer DSP. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and that's coming this summer for PC and for mobile. Yeah, yeah it looks okay. I might check it out. I like shoot 'em ups. Gradius, those are good games, <laughs> right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one of my favorite developers is, was there this year this year as well. Uh, talking about Vlambeer, of I course. Say Konami for a second. It's like <laughs> where I didn't see Konami. <laughs> I'm talking about there were no pachinko machines. Uh, we'd have to go back in time for that. <laughs> but Vlambeer had their table, which I had trouble finding initially for some reason. And I, I, I read on their uh, their Twitter actually that they had some trouble. Their booth didn't arrive on time for day uh-huh. one setup. That's why. Okay. Yeah, so they were kind of missing in action for a little while. But uh, I noticed that you know Nuclear Throne was there in a big way again. Uh, maybe because it was now on PlayStation. And, um... Yeah, this is probably the third year they've been showing this game. Yeah, and, uh, the stuff that I saw that they were showing was completely unfamiliar to me. I don't know if it was because it was just in a different part of the game that I hadn't accessed yet. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I haven't been playing it enough because they've added a lot of new content. Uh, but either way, I mean, it was being played on both ends of the table. We got there kind of at, towards the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And... The devs were like cheering on these players and they were getting to the end of the game. You know, this was like kind of a bag. We're assuming this is like semi staged, or at least they knew that these players would be there. Yeah, well, he did tell me that that guy has been there before and he's super good at it. Mm-hmm. He says he's that, that guy who's playing is better than himself who made the game. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not surprised because I asked him also, I'm like, what is the secret to this game? How do you get better at it? Because so challenging i find it so hard to really like playing it but i wish i could get somewhere within it you know yeah and he's like he's like i don't know ask him because he beat it he says i could barely get through one cycle myself yeah right you know uh so (laughs) i um you know because the the player did beat the game once again free codes were were given out to everyone present yeah anyone who was watching anyone who's there when the guy beat the game so that last year at PAX, the same thing happened. We went, yeah. and as we showed up, there was someone who was just about to beat the game, and they right. did it, and we got the free codes. So and that, it happened again this year. And that's how we got introduced to the game. Yeah. And um, it just gets, you know, further exposure for the game, I suppose. Uh, even though I got the game for free that way, I yeah. ended up uh, buying a, a, a special version of the game at the show. Yeah. Uh, because there was another booth right nearby called Indie Box. These are the guys that make sort of box physical versions for, you know, digital indie games and give it like the special edition treatment. Uh, so I bought a box version of the game and I had one of the developers, Rami uh, Ismail. He's one of the guys that was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, personalized it for me, took a photo with him. How do you know? Thought that was a great opportunity. Yeah. yeah, well, you know. It, well, you like his other game too, Ridiculous Fishing. I like a lot of their games. Yeah, they have good games. Uh, the special edition is really cool, though. It includes a soundtrack, okay, a printed manual for the game, uh, stickers. It comes with PC and PS4 codes, PC, PS4, and Vita, because okay. it's cross buy on PlayStation. Um, the game itself comes on a USB drive. 
A special USB drive, right? A special USB drive, which is in the shape of one of the characters, the chicken, Ooh, in the okay. game. Oh, wow. Uh, it's got DM- DRM-free copies of the game for PC, for Mac, and for Linux. Uh, it's got little figurines of, oh, wow. of three of the bosses in the game. The first one you encounter called Big Bandit. Holy cow, that's the big dog, right? Uh, big Bandit is this guy that looks like a desert sort of dweller. Uh, the dog is called Big Dog. Oh. <laughs> you get that one also. Okay. It's a big three-headed dog. And uh, the next one, which is the most annoying boss, which is the one that I always die at in the game, called Little Hunter. And it's this insane guy with a jetpack that flies around and lands unexpectedly and fires like a swarm of bullets and stuff. Uh, and it even comes with a little plushy pouch of one of the giant maggots that you run into on the huh. first level of the game. Wow, that's cool. So it's a nice little bundle. And the box is really well done, too. The box looks like one of the uh, things that you run into in the game called a mimic, which is a treasure chest that is that looks like a treasure chest, but it's actually a monster that disguises Mm -hmm. itself as a chest. So when you go to pick it up, it bites you Mm -hmm. instead of giving you treasure. Nice. Now, that was a limited edition box, so... I don't think you can buy that in the stores right now. Right. It's not, it was a, kind of a special, like, one-off. They made, like, 5,000 pieces of it. And... Yeah, it's only through IndieBox. Okay. Which is a, sort of a... Think they, of it as, like, a loot crate they service. Make, like, they take digital games and they make sort of packaging for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and it's or kind of subscription-based. Collector thing. Uh-huh. Like, every month they feature a different game. Oh, okay. So, uh... So, Nuclear Throne is out already, so this is not a coming soon game. This has been out. And I believe it might have been your one of your game of the year for last year, right? It absolutely was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, so I was happy to get that. Very nice. So, you know, keeping with that game, uh, I played a similar game. It's called Death State. Mm. This looked... The reason why I played this one is that it did look like, uh, sort of like the sister of nuclear throne yeah uh dual stick shooter but it wasn't um you didn't use your other stick to shoot it was some weird shooting mechanic well similar to like nuclear throne works but um same top down pixel sort of view uh, a lot of screen shaking uh, it is a rogue like uh procedurally generated level game um i'm not sure what was the objective of the game exactly <laughs> uh-huh i know there was like different characters you can choose there was like magic going on right because um, you are sort of like in this dungeon arena thing uh one of the cool things about it is that just by total accident i found this item that said packs <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> i don't even know what it was so when you find an item like it sticks to the character so right uh, I'm walking around with this PAX word on, on my character. I didn't know what it meant. And then the developer like runs over to me. He's like, oh, you found, you found the hidden PAX symbol. He goes, you want a copy of the game? And I'm like, oh, cool. All right. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So I got a Steam key for the game, so I could just play it at home. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it seemed pretty tough. Uh, I remember fighting one boss, and um, there's just lasers all over the place, and uh, it seemed pretty intense. But I liked it. I liked how it looked. It's got... Well, it's got a sort of... Um, first of all, it's by a developer called Working Man Interactive. And the guy described it as like a, sort of like a, an action bullet hell single stick shooter. He went out of his way to say single stick. Yeah, but 
It's but actually the second stick doesn't shoot. It yeah, controls it where you're looking. Yeah, like nuclear thrones kind of like. Sure. That. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So so you don't just shoot automatically. Just you just kind of use the other stick for aiming. So yeah. one is for walking and one's for aiming. That's really it's what it comes still, down to. Yeah, it's still kind of dual stick. <laughs> <laughs> but the theme of the game, like as as you said, there was some kind of magical stuff going on, and it's because it's it's got this Lovecraftian sort of horror retro look to it. Um. And it's like you go through like dimensional travel or something to access these places that you go. Mm. And there's always like there's like weird like symbols and iconography like kind of superimposed in the background and in the foreground and it kind of glows in and then it goes away. And it's got a really interesting look to it. Yeah. Um, And I'm really surprised. And at the same time, on one hand, I wasn't surprised that you won the game. (laughs) Because you kind of predicted it before we went to the show. You're like, oh, well, maybe we'll win, it. we'll win a game this time. Yeah, I think I did say that. <laughs> you really did. So, true to form, mm-hmm. you managed to get something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to definitely take a closer look and see what this game's all about. It looked, uh, looked pretty cool. Yeah, I can't wait to fire that one up. That, that's one of my top games mm-hmm. that I played. Uh. So, let's see. We went by the Adult Swim booth. They had a pretty big uh, section there. Adult mm-hmm. Swim Games is, like, a game publisher. They, they started of- out making, like, kind of jokey games. Mm-hmm. But they're actually a legitimate company now. They've been... I mean, I don't think they actually make the games. They they kind of just... The, the publisher, right? Sure. But um, they're, they have a pretty good lineup now. Yeah, they had a pretty big assortment. I didn't really get a close look at too many of them. They had one interesting one that I thought looked cool called Headlander. And this is the one where, like, this, this, like, what looks like an astronaut, his helmet came off. Yeah. And it was able to, like, float over to, um, like, a pair of treads or something. And he, like, went into the wall. Yeah. You, you control this head, and the head can go onto different bodies and even objects, mm-hmm. animals, different things, um, and take over, like, that, you know, organism or creature or whatever it could be. Yeah. And, and, and so. It sort of has like puzzle elements to it. It's you know it's a side-scrolling sort of puzzle game, and there might be areas where you're you're when you're when the head is on like a human, you can't reach certain areas. Mm-hmm. So you pop the head off, and now you can kind of go under like little ditches and kind of go where like the human can't go, sort right. of thing, and look into other screens and maybe flick a switch, and then you can come back and go back onto your body. Yeah, that simple little twist to it I yeah think got me interested it looked good um kind of reminded me of the swapper a little bit yes so it does look has a visual look to it yeah so if you like that style i'm looking forward to this game <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it could be interesting i think this is on steam and ps4 and maybe xbox one mm-hmm. uh the other game they had there that i thought was interesting was called death's gambit and this is the one that's sort of a combination between Maybe Castlevania and, like, Demon Souls. It's kind of got that style to it. It's, like, sort of uh, one of those really hard, sort of, like, deliberate combat-style games, but in a 2D side-scrolling sort of format. Um, And I guess, you know, it's just on my list of games I wanted to check out, and we just didn't get a chance to to really get a closer look at it. Um, But that's definitely uh, an interesting one. Yeah. And... Uh, another game that looked interesting that I didn't actually get to play uh, was in another booth called uh, that Tiny Build had called Cluster Truck. Do you remember this one? 
Yeah, yeah, this was a weird one. <laughs> this was like a 3D platformer where you have to sort of leap from one like 18-wheeler big rig <laughs> yeah, kind of like truck. The top of an 18-wheeler. Uh, to the next one. And, you know, you try just to avoid falling to the ground. That's really all you're trying to do. It, yeah. But these trucks are just really <laughs> badly driven and they'll crash and fly up into the air and like... It just looks insane. It looks insane. It looks uh, a little bit like a mobile game. It's, it looks like a very simple kind of mm-hmm. almost you can just flick it with your fingers sort of thing. Right. But um, like an infinite runner type of game. Right. Sort of. Yeah. But it does get insane, especially when when these trucks start flipping around and you're trying to you're trying to jump from truck to truck, and meanwhile the trucks are like flipping and, and, and crashing, and you know you have to try to when you do your jump, you have to try to make sure you land on the actual cab and then jump to another one you know immediately because that one's gonna just get destroyed mm-hmm. so it seemed pretty intense and people were having a lot of fun with it yeah um, it's one of those things where it looks like you can die in like two seconds mm-hmm. but maybe if you're good you'll last 15 seconds <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah I, I don't know i gotta see like it, like you said it looks, looks like a mobile game so yeah. hopefully if it's under five bucks or something i'll check it I, out i can't imagine i don't know almost they plan to do more with that game, but mm-hmm. it seemed pretty simple. But, you know, this is sometimes fun. Right. People seem to love it. I mean, had a big crowd around it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, see how far you can get kind yeah, of a thing. Right. <laughs> so, Starbreak is... Uh, this was kind of a crazy one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember this one. It's like an MMO action platformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, side-scroller. And... The thing with this is you can have, I think the guy said like 30 or 35 players at once mm-hmm. on the screen. And, uh, you know, like an MMO, you know, you're, you're kind of battle, you're building up your character, um, killing enemies. And uh, it would seem pretty tough what I played of it. Um, uh, it reminded me a little bit of that Castlevania game for Xbox 360 oh, right. and PS3, mm-hmm. where you can have like five people trying to get to like that one you know to beat the boss we can like zoom in and out it sort of reminded me of that game a little bit um but this one i believe is a free to play and I don't, I don't know how they're going to monetize it but it is for steam and i believe it is available now it might be in beta but you can download it mm-hmm. yeah i think it's i did see it free to play on steam um i even Actually, I tried finding their website, and I think you can play right in your browser, even. Oh, really? I think it runs under WebGL, okay. so you can just, right. like, you don't even have to do anything. Like, just go to their website, and you're in the game, basically. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw some other people playing it. I saw them, like, trying to beat this big raid boss. There was, like, this big giant tentacle monster or something in okay. the center of the screen, and it was all, like, flapping around, and they were all trying to, like, beat up on it and try to kill it. Uh, it looked like sheer chaos to me. <laughs> I don't know what was going look, on. Because you have like 30 of the same, well, the same, but of like similar characters on the screen. Yeah. And, you know, how much can you fit on the screen? Of and they're all firing and, it's, it's and 2D, jumping. So it's not, yeah. It kind of looked insane. And to the me. guy was telling me, he goes, well, right now there's a lot of Japanese players playing it. So he goes, when you initially start playing it, he, I forget what he was saying, like, play at a different time or, or a different server or something because he said the Japanese players are really, really good at this game mm-hmm. and people in the U.S. are not because I guess it's not out yet. So he said this, they have sort of an unfair... I don't know what that had to do with anything, but he kept mentioning how the Japanese players were just really good and, you know, you probably won't have a chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's like, tried at home, you know, he gave me the, the... He gave me a code for it, but I guess I didn't need the code to play it. It must give you something extra. Maybe. I put it in. I don't know. Hmm. 
Interesting. But it looked okay. I don't know. You know, it had sort of like an old school look to it, but who knows? Hmm. All right. Well, I, there's another game that I saw uh-huh. uh, called Wolverblade. And this is by a company called Darkwind Media. And I'd say this one is sort of like a Golden Axe style game. Uh, but it's set in ancient Britain. And you're fighting off uh, the Roman invasion of Britain. So a lot of historical stuff mixed in with this, um, what looks like sort of like a fantasy setting. It's got a little bit of both, I guess. I didn't get to play it, but it looked pretty cool. I noticed it was, uh, they were like kind of campaigning to be added to Steam Greenlight while they were at the show. And then as of Monday, they've, they were approved. So they're, oh, wow. so it's already there. Did you play that one you said? Uh, no, it was, um, it was kind of right next to where you were playing that RYB game. It was in the mini cave. Oh, right, right. It was uh-huh. kind of off to the side, and the guys who were playing it were also, like, about to beat the game kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I didn't want to stick around, but it looked uh, it looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Was there anything else? I guess uh, we did see this game called Haunted Halloween 85. Yeah. For the NES. Yeah, there was an NES game. It was actually an NES homebrew. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was, like, shocked to see... I actually, actually, I actually had to ask the guy. I'm like, so listen, I don't have an NES. I have no plans on hooking up an NES to play this game. But say I want to play this game, how do I play? And he's like, well, he said they they're going to make a Steam version. That's mm-hmm. why he's there. And I said, well, they're making. Well, they have the the sequel on Kickstarter. Right. That's number one. But number two is there's the Steam version of the game for people who don't want to buy the cartridge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I didn't actually play it, but it looked all right. It looked okay. Uh, but to be honest, the, the the reason that Booth caught our attention was <laughs> because they were showing they were showing off the game on that new retro USB console. Yeah, that, that runs off the FPGA. Yeah, they, like retro USB has a new NES clone called the AVS, mm-hmm. uh, which looks really nice. Actually, it's, it looks like it's built it pretty looks really well. Nice, yeah, it's a very slick looking machine. Very low profile. You can you slide in NES cartridges, sort of. Uh, uh, you know, kind of like the front loader style mm-hmm. NES laying down. And then it also has a Famicom slot as well. If you have Japanese carts to yep. play is, <laughs> um, HDMI output, right? Yeah. Um, looks it's, like a very, it has four controller ports mm-hmm. on the front. Uh, very modern menu kind of a uh, system in there, but still, still manages to have like a pixel aesthetic yeah. to it. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, that's what kind of drew my attention to that, that booth. Yeah. And I asked the, the guy who was demoing his game and he said they lent him the unit, you know, for packs and he says it's been working great so far. There's no issues at all. He says he's been testing it out even before packs. He said he, he tested it. Mm-hmm. It's been good. I, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Uh, I don't know if they were not at the show. I didn't see them having, having a booth this time around retro USB. I'm not really sure if they were there. Um, no, they were not there. Mm-hmm. Nope. Hmm. I think they do more of the retro shows. I guess that could make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there were some other pretty big booths there. Uh, obviously, this is all out of, most of this stuff was kind of indie. But a lot of the, you know, like the, the three big ones were there too. There was a big Nintendo booth. Um mostly they were showing Star Fox, I think, and a couple of other games. They had the new Kirby 3DS game. Right. There. Giant inflated Kirby over there the was, booth. Yes. 
Which, Don't you want to take that home? Which was fun to see. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like the look of that. Um, the Star Fox display was actually cool because it had like a very polygon-looking sort of cabinet. Out in the yeah, front, it was like a cockpit chair mm-hmm. that was <laughs> made of polygons. Or... or Really just drawn on. Right. Onto the it looked room. like it. Yeah. It, it, designed, it had that look to it. Yeah. Um, but my complaint was they had this cool cockpit and then they had this sort of not, not tiny screen, but it was like a you know mid-sized TV playing the game. And then behind it was like this huge other screen where I felt like that should have been mm. the game screen because it was just like blank space all, all around. Yeah. And I thought that would look awesome if the game was projected on this huge space where you're sitting on this cockpit. Well, maybe if you were actually sitting there, it looked maybe maybe bigger. maybe I don't know. That screen playing. just seemed a little small to give you that sort of fitting in a cockpit, especially for a big exhibition hall. They yeah. want to attract more attention. That would make sense. Uh, but I didn't get to play anything because there the were lines, lines to crazy. see everything in there. So didn't really bother with that. No. Um, there was an Xbox booth. They had a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, went in there specifically to get the pictures of the custom controllers they had set up because yes, they had like a little a contest. They had a little Twitter contest going on. You know, take a picture of a controller and tweet it out. Um, which, which I guess I didn't win because I didn't see anything either. No, apparently people retweeted my my tweet. I don't sure, know why? But. I don't know. <laughs> Just to get you to follow them, I think maybe. Um, the one game we did see was Cuphead. Uh, that one drew my attention. Yeah. I almost like wished I could have stayed online for that, but it was. It w- I think they said it was like an hour wait or two hour wait or something for it because mm. so that was a popular one. Mm-hmm. It looks awesome. I'm glad it's getting attention from from people. Yeah, because it is you know essentially kind of a 2D game, but it looks like you know it's made a, in the 1930s as a cartoon. Yeah, or it something. looks like an actual cartoon. It reminds me of like Dragon's Lair or something, but you can actually control it. You know, and that's the amazing thing about this game. Like we always talk about how, you know, one day we'll be able to play like a cartoon basically. And, you know, I think we've had that for a while, but this one really replicates the look of an old cartoon from the frame rate to like the film stock. Even they kind of even like represent. Yes. It has that kind of graininess. It looks like, you know, Steamboat Willie or something. mm -hmm. It doesn't look like a filter they just put on over. It might've been, but it doesn't look like it. Mm hmm. And it has that kind of Betty Boop sort of like bopping up and down of all the characters. Right. I'm really glad that they're not rushing this game out because of the popularity. And the developers are really taking the time. They're adding now platform levels and also more bosses to the game and to make it a little bit more of a... Because before it was sort of like a mini game. So now it's actually going to be like a full game. So I'm pretty excited for this. The funny thing is, this isn't an Xbox exclusive. It is coming out on other consoles um i i believe steam definitely and i'm pretty sure ps4 also but maybe not initially mm-hmm. but um everyone kind of feels like this is an xbox only game but yeah um as f- last i heard it's not definitely pc i know that yeah. much mm-hmm. um there was actually like a little gamestop mini booth on the side <laughs> yeah i told you to tra- trade in your games <laughs> right they're they're there right ready to take games right away <laughs> Um, but you know, they were giving out a nice little three button set that, that we got. I think yeah. it was like, uh, Mirror's Edge, Overwatch and Gears of War 4. Mm-hmm. Those were like the kind of, yeah, it was cool. just some Xbox exclusive games. Yeah. Mirror's Edge was getting a lot of attention there too. People seem to be into it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, actually, those aren't all exclusive, but Gears of War is. But Gears of, yeah, the other ones, ones uh, the, which I didn't even check out. I didn't look at Gears of War. At all. Huge line for that too. I know. So didn't really. I didn't even look at the screen. I don't even know what it looks like, but yeah, I probably should have. Um, of course, there was a PlayStation booth too. Yeah. Um, didn't really get to play a whole lot there. Uh, I played a little bit of a game that I was interested in called Abzu. And this yeah, is like, they had a little indie section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a long row of of games that were at least available. You could just walk up and play them right away. Right, because the main, like their big first party stuff, we had to wait online for. Like the big uh, Uncharted Four was being shown. Yeah. Of course, it was a big line for that. But the indie stuff that are going to be like digital downloads, those were all available on stations. You could just walk up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this game was cool. This was kind of an underwater exploration simulation type of game. I really liked the way it looks and played. Very simple, very relaxing. If you like the idea of just diving into the ocean and swimming around and looking for stuff, I don't think it's the first game of this kind, obviously, but it definitely is kind of neat. I mean, I think the pe- the people who were demoing it were comparing it to Journey in a way. So if you like that okay. style of game, it's probably uh, yeah, kind of similar. Uh, all right, I, it looked kind of a little dull to me, mm-hmm. but so does Journey. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's I think it's more of an experience than an actual. Game. Right, right. Okay, so, look cool. I don't know. Hmm. Anything else at the PlayStation? Um, that you thought there was, was cool? a weird, wacky game next to that game you played, which mm-hmm. was I was actually paying more attention to than your game. Right. It's called Push Me Pull You. Okay. And I was trying to figure out like what is this going on in this game? Like I saw these two guys were playing it, and you're it's it's almost like a tug of war, where you have like one upper portion of the body, and then you have another. You, it's, how do you explain this? It's like the <laughs> the torso of a body that's getting stretched. Uh-huh. And on one end, you have one body, like one upper half. And then the other end is the other upper half. And you're just kind of like moving like a snake sort of on the screen. And I don't know what they were supposed to be doing, like collecting things or, or something. But it is some sort of tug of war thing where like if some one person was moving one way, like the other person couldn't move a certain way. And <laughs> it just looks totally bizarre and very different than what... Is I this, usually say. So. Is this like Stretch Armstrong the game? <laughs> it, it, it could have very well been, yeah. Plastic Man or something. Very weird. Yeah, it, it looked, uh, visually it had like a Hohokam kind of, that art style. Um, okay. It looks kind of nice. Hmm. Uh, definitely, I could see that uh, being an, an interesting game, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there was also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, by Platinum Games. Platinum Games. Yeah. That was, I was surprised to see that on display. Yeah. I think it's coming fairly soon, though. I guess so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, pretty much the same demo we've seen already. Uh, fighting, um, I guess that's Bebop. I forget mm. which guy that is. But um, I didn't play it. I'm not really into the Platinum game too much. But right. it looks okay. You know, just like the demos we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was Kill Strain. Mm. That was shown on there. I think it's Cool Strain 2, I'm sorry. The sequel. Okay. So that looks pretty good, too. That's like um, a shooter, top-down shooter sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked all right. Don't know too much about that one, either. I'm not a big fan of it, no. But mm. um, it looked good, I gotta say. Hmm. Yeah. What else? Anything you uh, from the booth? Uh, oh, uh, Brutal. Oh, right. That was the one... That was another game you played, right? Brutal, yeah. That was... Uh, I totally forgot about that game. And we heard about that uh, at the PlayStation Experience. Mm-hmm. And that's... It's a black and white sort of look. 
um, sort of like a little bit like Tron, but all the graphics are, are sort of like ASCII characters. Yeah. Like, um... So it looks like a game that you might have played on, like, a Commodore Pet or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, totally modern, um, very smooth animation. It's, uh, like a three-quarter view, top-down three-quarter. And, uh, it is an action game, but I couldn't really figure out what was going on. I just I saw know. you smashing everything in sight. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't figure out. You you were, everything seemed breakable. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed to do. It, it didn't feel very good. The controls feel a little, little, um... I don't know if they were laggy or just slow or something, and the jumping felt off, and uh, I don't know, the way the enemies fight, it, it seemed like a little unfair, I don't know. Mm. I, I didn't get a good feel for it. That was like one of my probably biggest disappointments of the show. Mm. All right. Well, at least you got to try it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's still under development. Too. Yeah, it could be. Or maybe I just stink. I mean, like, I'm not a good player. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh... I, there was a whole separate PlayStation VR area, separate oh, from yeah, the main PlayStation booth. Mixed with that. Um, it didn't look that crowded day one. It looked like a lot of empty space, so mm-hmm. I don't really know how it worked. I, I noticed there were signs up telling you to download an app, and I th- I'm not really sure if you sort of make an appointment through the app or something. I don't really know how they were they were controlling um, you know access to the booth, but it seemed like there was something extra going on other than just walking up or. Or just waiting online or something. Mm-hmm. So, didn't really spend any time doing that. Uh, I was hoping by now VR would have been more available so that you could just maybe walk up and just check something out. But still plenty of lines to go around. Even, I think Oculus was teamed up with Alienware for this one. And they had a pretty big turnout too. So, yeah. didn't didn't really get a chance to get a closer look. Yeah. Um, Sega had a booth. Uh that was just strictly dedicated to their new Warhammer game. Yeah, oh boy. Warhammer, or it was a Total War game, because they have a long-running... It was like a giant castle they built. It's a huge, giant castle. Not a moat, but um, like a a big door in the front. I don't know Mm -hmm. what you call those. Drawbridge. The drawbridge, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That didn't actually come down, but just the... the, It it reminded me of like something you'd see at E3. Right, it was visually interesting. Uh, I kind of appreciated that aspect of it, but... They didn't have any other games other than that one, so, uh-huh. so I wasn't really too keen to spend any time doing that. Um, we went by a, a booth that was uh, run by Rooster Teeth. This is like, you know, these guys do like parody videos and stuff. It was one of the early game-related like video channels, maybe even before that kind of thing was common on YouTube. Really? I, I think never they heard had, of it. Yeah, they did that red versus blue thing for oh, Halo. Oh, that's them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of how they got big. Uh-huh. And then they've been doing other stuff. They even have a game now. They're, like, they're doing in, like indie dev- development, no wow. less. Okay. So they had a big booth. Um, and in the middle of the booth was a small set of arcade cabinets, right? They had, uh, for some reason, they were just there, unrelated to anything else that was going on. So they had... A, a Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Galaga, like, 25th anniversary cabinet. Uh-huh. One of those little modern combo cabs. Uh, they also had something just, that was just labeled Arcade Legends, which I think is one of these, you know... Like a main cabinet. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it had it runs, like, a, the Hanaho, like, front end. <laughs> yeah. One of those older ones. It has, like, about 120 games. Somebody was playing Berserk on it, I Berserk, think. Berserk, yeah. When we went by. Uh, what else? They had NBA Showtime, which I think was turned off. I don't think that was running. 
they had a weird kind of bootleg looking Donkey Kong machine, which looked normal from the front. Yeah. <laughs> but the sides something. were all like wood paneling. Yeah, something wasn't right. <laughs> with like like DKC like artwork on the side. Uh-huh. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming it was just like a rebuilt cabinet or something. Also kind of a bootleg looking centipede machine too. Yeah, the centipede screen was not original for sure. Mm-hmm. But the one jewel that they had for me... Very appropriately. Was... I think they put it there just because they knew you were going. I guess so. I Because I don't know where else I would ever see this game in the wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a Star Wars Trilogy arcade cabinet. The Sega arcade Crazy. game mm-hmm. from 1999 that we previously we talked about. We were just about. talking about it not too long ago. So this was the one game that I have never seen or never played. And it was a lot of fun to get to check it out. The guy that was playing before me played the Death Star stage. So I'm like, all right, I saw that one already. Let me play a different one. I played the Empire Strikes Back stage, which was, you know, controlling the snowspeeder, assaulting the the walkers. And I think I did okay. I was getting hit a lot for some reason. It almost seemed like it wasn't clear what you were supposed to do. I don't know. I was able to shoot the scout walkers pretty easily. But then when it came to the big AT-ATs, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do because... You know, the only way to take those down is by doing the tow cable thing. According to the movie, at least, they're not the the armor that they that they've got is not vulnerable to blaster fire. So I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. Except there were some parts of that stage where it was highlighting like their neck or their joints or something to hit. It was like circled. I was shooting at it, but nothing was happening. So I don't really know what the trick was with this one. But I did manage to get past that area. And I got to like sort of like what would would be sort of like a light gun stage where, you know, I'm like kind of firing at snow troopers and corridors or something. Yeah. Um, And that was where I took even more cheap hits. Like I was shooting these guys, no problem. But somehow they would just like pop off a shot before. Yeah, it didn't make any sense why you were getting hit. Yeah. So it kind of ended there. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that was a good a good taste of the game. Didn't really feel the need to keep playing I was surprised. I thought you were going to keep playing. Uh, eh, it's all right. <laughs> I could always grab that. It's on free play. Yeah, put a no, that's in. true. I could always grab that, that Model 2 emulator, I guess. Right, yeah. Check it out further. But it was cool. It was cool to see it in action. It looked like a really clean cabinet mm. in nice shape. Yeah, I know. It was strange. <laughs> um, what else did we see that was kind of interesting uh, I, I liked the... I think the game was called Too Happy Few. Is that what it was called? Uh, which one was that? It Remind was me. that sort of mod, like, 60s look. It had all ma- white mannequins. Oh, right. It was, the booth was kind of closed off. You really couldn't see the game screens mm-hmm. unless you went inside the, the, the actual booth. They right. built it in a way where they didn't want people to, like, see the game unless you went in there. So, um I just, from the outside, they, they had, it was visually interesting. They had those white mannequins, mm-hmm. sort of like a clockwork uh, orange sort yeah. of look. And then they had um, these old, probably like from the 50s, like TVs that they gutted. And they had like, they were like half up, taken apart, but they were turned on. So like the screens had these like glowing, mm-hmm. just static effects on there. Right. Uh, it, was, it was a neat looking thing. I don't know. But uh, I just, I like the look of it. The game, I think was kickstarted recently so it's early development mm-hmm. um looks pretty good hmm yeah i didn't know about this one at all i was surprised that uh you're so gung-ho to see it i'm like i've never heard of this game i don't know what it is i don't know <laughs> but i guess i'll have to do some research 
Yeah, just I just I like the art style on it. I don't know about the game itself, but just the art style that that '60s look mod look draws me in. Yeah, for, some for sure, reason. definitely had a stylish kind of look to it. Yeah. Um, there was actually a table for Axiom Verge. I wanted to mention that too. Yeah. And they were showing off uh, the Wii U and Xbox One versions of the game that was coming soon. Uh, actually, had a nice little chat with Thomas Happ, the yeah, which developer. I didn't even know that was Thomas Happ. Yeah, well, the first time I said after we left, I said, "Hey, that's the guy. You know, that's uh, the guy who made the game. Guy that made the whole game. He's also running his booth too. Sure, why not? Thomas Happ Games. Who else is going to run I, it? I guess he's a one man operation. He made the, the music. He made the game. He, he did, did everything. everything. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But he he looked very tired. <laughs> <laughs> He he was, I think, just you know, there to just talk with anyone who yeah. was willing to to you know share a few words about the game. I guess mm-hmm. uh, he. I was explaining to him that you know I hadn't decided which version of the game to get because you know I was like kind of split between like the PC version or getting the PS4 version. Um, but now that the Vita version was out, you know that was kind of my reason to want to maybe get you know, the PlayStation version instead. And he, he offered up uh, a button, the last button that he had at the booth. He says, maybe this will help you, you know, decide, right? Re- help know. you decide or yeah. remind you to, 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 you know, to think about it further. Uh, so I lo- afterwards I w- came back and, you know, bought one of the t-shirts, which, uh, oddly enough is more than the game itself. I thought that was kind of funny that I know it is $24 to buy a shirt. And meanwhile, the game itself is 20, <laughs> Which I actually I got it. I ended up buying the game. Strange. <laughs> when we got back, I, I ended up because it's still on sale because of the. It was ten percent off because the Vita version just launched. Okay. So it's like a little launch window mm. like sale on the game. So I ended up picking that up this week for seventeen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. It's a good game. Um, yeah, just having that extra cross buy feature. I think I that think was one was, of my games of the year, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely yeah. was. So. Glad I'm finally going to be able to. That was nice. See what all the I, I almost about. feel bad. I didn't really tell him like how much I liked his game. I feel like I didn't express it enough mm-hmm. to him. Maybe I should have. I don't know. I don't know like what those people think. Is that if that gets annoying or if they like hearing that or not? Uh, why not? I, I mean, don't know. they're there to. I feel bad now. That I didn't say anything. Um, I think I told him I had it, but I didn't really tell him like, oh, it's like the best game, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he is on Twitter, so you could always. Uh, yeah, that's true. Send them a message. Yeah. But it was cool to see him there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, seems like very, you know, willing to chat and about whatever. But uh, also I'm happy to see that they actually made a Wii version of that game. A Wii yeah. U version, yeah. I should say. Because, you know, people are clamoring for a new Metroid game. But meanwhile, here's a game that really embodies a I, lot I of... I did tell him that, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was telling him, like, people are always saying they want a Metroid game. This is the Metroid game right here that people want. Like you made it. <laughs> True that it's not actually got right, the story yeah. elements, no, but, but and it's its own original creation. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say that the game's completely just like uh, a copycat. Mid- yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, I, I think. I think in interviews, he feels like yeah, there are similarities, but he feels there that his game is more different than Metroid than than it is similar to Metroid. He feels mm-hmm. like there's more to I don't it. Know about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he puts it. <laughs> But uh, it was cool. It was cool yeah, nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. They had a, I mean, they had a, a assortment of T-shirts. They had a nice poster, too. Uh, but I finally yeah. just settled on a T-shirt. Uh, I know. I should have bought that T-shirt. That, it looked like they made a, a Nintendo cartridge 
like the old uh, first series Nintendo cart mm-hmm. artwork uh, for Axiom Verge t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of neat. I well, don't they, know. I, see, no, there you go. I mean, doesn't that acknowledge that exactly. the game is, is a Metroid-style <laughs> yeah. game? There you go. I, I think they're admitting it with that shirt. Exactly. Uh, so another thing that caught my eye at the yeah. sh- on the show floor, and something that you pointed out that I didn't even realize, was the Logitech booth. Oh yeah, where they had a wall. The booth which, you always walk by. Which so was who would want to go look at mice and keyboards when I you're would, at? I would check it out if I didn't have something else that I was trying to get to. I mean, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I, I always check out a lot of the PC stuff there. Yeah. Uh, but this this wall was entirely made up of LED keyboards that was programmed to display like an animation. Like I didn't, I thought it was just, I thought it was just like a lit wall. I didn't, I didn't look at it closely enough to realize it like that it was keyboards. A lit wall with some missing pixels in some areas, right? That, right. Until you got up close, mm-hmm. and then it's actually a QWERTY keyboard, <clears throat> like. Probably maybe a hundred or so. I don't know if it was hundreds, but it was it had to be a couple of dozen. And each each key had an LED, which I guess they could program right. a color or a sprite. Yeah, totally. Sign. And they had this like crazy animation that played with all you know from all these contr- uh, keyboards. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I, I I did record some video of that. I should upload it. Yeah, big. That'd be cool. But I, anyone can find that. I think. I've seen that on... I've seen articles about it. Yeah, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty eye-catching. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, another booth that I always visit every year, that I try to at least, just for at least a second, is the CPU Magazine booth. And CPU Magazine is a PC, like, sort of hobbyist, enthusiast magazine. They talk about... Master you know, Race. Yeah, they talk about new PC parts and whatever. And they... You know, they've, they've been offering free subscriptions at the show every year. So every I figured, year. all right, let me go sign up because I might as well. So why not? Mm-hmm. And this year I went to do it and there was some, I don't know, I was surprised because I couldn't fill out the form because it said my account already existed because I had signed up last year, apparently. And I guess they changed the way they do things with this magazine now. Now it's freely available for anyone to get a free subscription anytime. All you got to do is go to the website and sign up and they send you a free digital copy PDF of the magazine every month. And they I think what ended up happening was in the past it was a choice between either digital or you could still get the magazine in the mail. And recently they discontinued the print version for subscribers saying from now on we're going to be digital subscription only. But if you want to keep receiving it, let us know and we'll keep you on the list. It's hmm. odd. So you could still buy their magazine in a, in a shop. But they distribute the magazine for special events and stuff, okay. just to kind of get mm. you know get the get the name out. But I think for so they probably do a low print run now. I think that's think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think I had to confirm with them that I wanted to keep receiving the digital version. Okay. I think I didn't do that. So when I went to sign up, it said, "Oh, you're already here." But then when I tried to activate my account or change my password or anything, it says you no longer exist because. I didn't. I didn't renew or whatever. Okay, so, <laughs> so I'm gonna have to reach out to their service. The the PC is always giving you problems. Always, always, it never fails. The crummy thing is that when you do sign up for yeah. a subscription, they give you a raffle ticket, and they always have like a big raffle mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day. And um, I didn't get a ticket as a result and, and of not being able to even, sign up. Even though you told him like you're trying to do it and all these issues you're running into, he didn't like just say, ah, oh, you know, I just take the raffle and you know, do it when you go home. <laughs> 
Because you couldn't figure it out. It's not like he could help you. Right. So right. I thought that wasn't very nice. I think I'll be able to straighten out the subscription part of it. No problem. But he could have at least handed me a raffle ticket. <laughs> I know. How hard was that? <laughs> but on, that's all right. Any, at any rate. <laughs> um, other stuff that I think yeah. was too many lines to actually wait for. Uh-huh. Uh, Battleborn. Big... Yeah. Big Battleborn uh, sort of presence. Uh-huh. Uh, display for that there. Um, I mean, I played, you know, because we, they were giving out free t-shirts. If you well, that's it. just it. I mean, uh-huh. we played, we played the game at home. We talked about it last yeah. episode, but I would have liked to have gotten the shirt at least <laughs> for know, playing the game. Cause you couldn't buy that shirt. That's, I like that shirt better than the one they were selling Yeah, and you couldn't buy it. So I was a little disappointed. I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. I, and I saw the big pile. I just wanted to go up and just grab one and run. <laughs> sure. I know it's tempting, but. Uh, at what, any rate. What about the big dinosaur? Ark of the Fittest, I think it's called. Ark, Ark Survival of the Fittest. Yeah. That's been... It's a, a huge dinosaur, like life-size, you can climb up. I don't really know much about the game. Yeah. I yeah. noticed a lot of people in, like, Xbox circles have been talking about the game a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't really know. I'm assuming it's some kind of prehistoric <laughs> setting. Uh, other than that, I don't really have any information about it. Okay. But it was a giant... There was a giant, like... T-Rex that you can get on the back of and, I guess, get your picture taken. Yeah. I'm presuming. Um, similarly to that, uh, Doom had a big presence. Yes. And they had a large display as well. You know, get in and play the game. I think they were demoing a new mode of the game that wasn't available during the online betas. Um, they also had a raffle going on where <laughs> they had um, people wearing those... Those heads, like those, the the big floating eyed thing. Yeah, the caco demon, as it's okay, called yeah, in the game. Okay. <laughs> they had people wearing that as like a, a helmet, walking around the show, giving uh-huh. out raffle tickets in random locations. And uh, they had a big like custom raffle every day. You know, they had a custom console, uh, a PS4 and an Xbox One that they were giving out mm-hmm. that looked, I think, pretty sharp. Both of them look nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had a giant, like, revenant demon in their booth that you could take a picture with. And I ended, ended up taking, taking did that Did you get pic. that photo? The email? I did, I did. Mm, nice. I should, I'll probably put that up, too. <laughs> I, looked, I looked at my photo and I thought, oh, I should have used my other arm to hold the shotgun. Because the way I was holding it, I was completely blocking the weapon. Oh, uh, alright. So, that didn't turn out so as that, that's good as really, I hoped. The photographer should be telling you that. This was use direction. your other arm, yeah. Yeah. I really should have. But, uh. but it was cool anyway. Yeah. Uh, as a competitive Battleborn, by the way, Blizzard's Overwatch game was there. Very similar style game. Also huge lines for that. Yeah. Didn't want to get in on that either. Uh, Harmonix had a big presence. They were showing... Bigger than last year. And last year was was pretty big. They had a pretty small booth last year. They had like that, just that little sort of table. They were debuting Amplitude and Mm -hmm. Rock Band 4 last year. I thought it was a bigger deal. Yeah, and this year they have nothing, and their their booth was like twice the size. Yeah, well, they they had those two games again. Right. And they also had like their VR game, which they're making for PlayStation VR. Um... And they also had their Apple TV game, Mm. which they were showing off. Right, I forgot about that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the thing, the hook for me was that they had two exclusive pins that they were giving out for playing Amplitude or Rock Band 4. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would have liked to have gotten those, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't commit to those lines. Well, the thing is with these lines, you're looking at anywhere from like 
30 minutes to two hours mm-hmm. to wait. Right. And if you did that with every single game you wanted to play, you would see nothing of the show. Right. Which you, what you need is like a stand-in. <laughs> they don't allow cutting on those lines. <laughs> I think the, the only way to handle those is uh, to be... You know, get there early, get in line for the expo hall, and then that's the first thing you do before when the doors open. What if they do a system where you take a number, mm-hmm. and then they text out the number of when they're ready for you? Sure. And then you run over. That might help. I think it would get messy, though. <laughs> of course it would. Uh, people wouldn't show up. And <laughs> I know. It would, it would just be a, a nightmare. <laughs> it would be. Uh-huh. It'd be nice for me, but everyone yeah. <laughs> else, they'd, they'd, they'd wreck it. Um, let's see. The giant Pikachu? The giant... For the Pokemon... There was a whole separate Pokemon booth. Was that part of Nintendo? Was that separate? No, they actually had a separate booth for Pokemon. That's what I thought. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I didn't really check it out, because that game's out already. It's that fighting game. Uh, is is that what they were showing? I don't even... That's that's what I saw when I walked by it. I don't know if there was more stuff inside the booth, I'm just assuming there's a new 3DS game coming. Oh, maybe. So, I don't even know. But I saw people playing that fighting game. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, let's see. Oh, Outlast 2 also had uh, a big booth. That was that horror game, that survival horror. They had what looked like sort of like a log cabin or something that you kind of walk into to play the game in like complete isolation. Behind a black curtain, yeah. Big line for that. But I didn't finish the first one yet, so I wasn't (laughs) in any big rush to see what the next game was going to look like. Uh So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll worry about it when I finish the first game. Um, same thing with Shadow Warrior 2. Big display for that. Uh, they had like a little like Japanese garden or something. Like it looked like a cool booth, but a lot of people turned up to play that. And I have the first game, or at least, you know, the recent remake. Uh huh. This is like their, the reboot of Shadow Warrior. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll be worried about that when I (laughs) finally get around to it. Uh, so, I don't know. That was kind of it for the show floor for me. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to mention? Uh, not really. There was that cool giant skull at the Jinx booth mm. that I thought was neat. Yeah, they make, like, t-shirts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised that they had such a big sculpture. It was, like, a skull with the, the glasses. I guess it's, like, its iconic character. Right, right. And right. then the glasses had, like, TVs in them to mm-hmm. give it, like, effect. I don't know. It was, I thought it was nice looking. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it caught my attention anyway. Yeah. I'm just surprised they didn't have more stuff to sell. Yeah, they didn't have much. They only had a, a couple of a couple of shirts, a couple of plushies, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. From what I could see anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I guess there were panels that were that we attended. <laughs> a few, not um, many, but a couple. A couple of things. Uh, I guess on Friday, one of the first ones I went to was I should mention actually the the show was three days right so we were there Friday Saturday Sunday yeah uh, so Friday morning there was something called glory or elitism PC gaming culture <laughs> of course this is in reference to the whole like PC master race thing uh-huh. that's kind of become a whole a whole big meme yeah I didn't go to that one <laughs> yeah well honestly I don't have too much to say about this one uh I'm not really sure what it was going to be about. I just wanted to sort of sit in and see what they had to say. Mm-hmm. It was mostly revolving around um, there's a there's a, a subreddit on on Reddit called you know PCMR, which I guess mm. is 
in reference to that. And it's really just a PC gaming club. And I think the whole point of it is to just anybody who's got any questions or, you know, needs some assistance with setting up their PC for gaming or whatever, you know, it's meant to be like kind of a help forum. And they were just talking about it. And they had just different people talking about their participation in the forum and where they where they come from, where they always PC gamers. You know, they had just a variety of different opinions and they had one guy from uh the Epic Games community that was like uh you know he's work he's working on Unreal Tournament at the moment or at least you know one of the one of the people in the the community end mm-hmm. of the things. Um just giving different opinions on you know what it's like and I don't know. I didn't really get too much out of it. I didn't think it was anything too special. Um, But I guess the next one we went to was uh, Friday afternoon called Inside Gearbox. Yeah. And this was pretty much mostly about Battleborn. Uh, You would think. They really... (laughs) They spent a lot of time on other stuff. I know. Most notably, lots and lots of magic tricks. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, Randy Pitchford is... uh, a magician, a magician, that's right, and loves to demo things on stage. So he, his wife posted a photo on Twitter of him doing magic tricks when he was like super young. I don't mm-hmm. know how old he was in that photo, but it had to be from at least fifteen years ago, maybe maybe twenty. He looked like a kid, and hysterical. I thought this was like a recent thing he picked up, but I guess he's been doing this magic stuff for a long time. Yeah, it seems like a lifelong passion. Yeah. So, yeah, he did two. Two or three. Three tricks, I think he did. Uh-huh. Yeah, he did all kinds of things. Yeah. Sleight of hand tricks, card <laughs> tricks. He's definitely a character if you ever get a chance <laughs> to meet him. He's very friendly. He likes fans, so mm-hmm. seems like a nice guy. We we did get confirmation that Borderlands 3 is going to be their next game. Yep. So, that's kind a plus. Of like, yeah. It's a no-brainer. Assumed, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not much more detail. They didn't even really start it yet, so... Mm-hmm probably two years away maybe three right yeah battleborn is still their focus they have dlc coming out they said mm-hmm. uh for free characters they're going to be adding which was kind of nice um but there are going to be new maps which are i think in the dlc right in the season pass i should say mm-hmm. yeah i did i did <clears throat> pop out during this panel though to go down to okay. to the uh just to check out on the doom raffle yeah i mean you didn't miss a whole lot a lot of it was a lot of skits they did uh, Mike Newman, who plays Scooter from Tales of Borderlands, uh, he was there uh, with a couple other people, and yeah. he was they were doing some skits, and they had some pre-recorded like uh, like little jokey things that they did, which were kind of funny, you know, stupid but funny, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the typical Borderlands humor, you know. Right. Yeah, I thought it was. I made it back just in time for the, to see those. Okay. So I uh, I thought those were kind of well done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see. I think on the next day we went to uh Awesome Game Awesome Game Data again. <laughs> Second year in a row. This was a panel that we I saw love last awesome year. Video game data. Love statistics, right? Sure. Lots lots of graphs. Lots of interesting insights at least. If you you know, if you're just interested in the game industry and how things play the out. Industry, yeah. You know, what's going on, what's making money, what's not, mm-hmm. what's the trends. So this company, this guy Jeffrey Zatkin, he works for EDAR, mm-hmm. and his his company just tracks all this information, all these statistics, and he talks a good solid hour, like nonstop about it. Yeah, it doesn't even take questions. No. Plays it right up until yeah. the very end of the time slot. It's amazing. Um, 
I, you know, some new data shown, but the most surprising thing for me was the huge explosion of Steam titles available and the amount of money that they've been making. Yep, Steam is on fire. <laughs> I, I was shocked. There's, I was surprised too. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't realize it, but there's over 8,000 titles available on Steam now. Yeah. Which uh, sounds like a lot. Um, so basically Steam and mobile are exploding mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. now. Right. Those are the markets. Consoles, not so much. Yeah. You, Wii U, definitely not. <laughs> of all things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was on a downward trend. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was cool to see. And he even offers his presentation slides. Um, if all you got to do is email them and they'll, mm. they'll send you a copy of the presentation. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to do that. <laughs> well, I think looking at the slides, you don't get the whole picture. You need to have someone explaining to you. It's true. But he moves pretty quick. He does. So if yeah. you're actually interested in looking at the actual numbers, mm-hmm. it's hard to absorb it all while he's talking. He kind of gives you the general gist of it, but if you're interested in drilling into it, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, especially when you hear about countries like China, you know, overseas and other places where, right, you know, new markets and where the trends are going, and you know, that makes you have to think about all that stuff because when people make games, they have to think of their markets, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a global audience. Yeah. Now. Uh, so later on this that day, we also. Yeah, well, we were, I, I wanted to check out the Giant Bomb panel, but yeah. apparently you have to be there like an hour before, because we went out to eat dinner, thinking we had plenty of time to get back, but came back, and I think we had like, we were a half hour early, and we still, it was over. Like, mm-hmm. the line was already well, well done, like, you missed it by maybe at least an hour, who knows anymore, but... Uh, yeah, it's... That was a little disappointing. Definitely got to camp out for something like that. It's just one of those things. Um, The good news is that stuff is archived on on Twitch. Okay. So it is possible to to be in the audience. Of course, absolutely. Uh, we did check out the classic arcade, the, in quotes. Oh, that's sad. In quotes, classic arcade. Classic arcade. (laughs) Give me a break. Uh, there were so many things wrong with, with this room. I I wish. Oh boy, I don't know, where do you start? I mean, in the past, when we first started going, the room was, uh, curated by the guys that, that run the Fun Spot Arcade. And, uh you know, great selection of classic machines really set the mood, great atmosphere, very appropriate to definitely handpicked the titles. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. You know, a mix of like favorites and a couple of rarities that you might not see very often. Uh, you know, just really, you got the feeling that these were real true enthusiasts, you know, and what it's been replaced with for the past couple of years, including this year, I, I just, it's sort of like, um, I guess it's now an ad space for like an arcade machine vendor. They bring mostly fighting machines that are fighting games, you know, that have been, I don't know, I guess the big ones, Uh whatever it is. Um, Like Tekken and stuff. Yeah. yeah. A whole bunch of mix, Mortal Kombat. Tekken and Uh like Killer Instinct and stuff like that. And a very small smattering of classic games. I mean, things that people would know. There's a Ms. Pac-Man machine. But a lot of it were classic games that aren't, like, they're not in the original cabinet. Mm -hmm. Or, like you said, the controls are not original. Screens are not right. (laughs) I mean, Defender, 
the, they had a Defender machine. I'm like, all right. Defender. That's the one that looked original. That's like, oh, this looks like an original Defender cabinet. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like, the control panel was right. Yeah. The actual physical controls were correct. But I guess it was emulated, I'm assuming, because the buttons were mapped completely incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, like, like reverse didn't work correctly. Thrust that game's didn't not work hard correctly. <laughs> nothing, nothing. It was completely unplayable. Yeah. So that's why no one was playing. That it. was a wash. We did play some joust. Joust. Yeah. Um, but even something there was off. Too. I don't know. Something seems off. Yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate. I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess, you know, at least there's something. And the people that were there seemed to be having fun with it, but... The whole... And the, even... The whole sad thing was they had a big TV with a Pac-Man plug-and-play hooked mm-hmm. up to it. Right. That I was, guess because they couldn't get in a, a real Pac-Man arcade machine, so they had that. There Wasn't there a Pac-Man machine? There like, was a Ms. Pac-Man, but it was outside of the room. All right, there was reason. that. And then wasn't there another one that was, like, kind of unplugged and turned around and that facing the Q-Bert. wall? Oh, that was q Oh, that was q Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was punished. He was... <laughs> he had to face the wall. <laughs> he was sent to the corner. <laughs> yeah. Poor Qbert. <laughs> yeah, so that was a bit unfortunate. Yeah, that was kind of like we walked in, we walked out, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I guess on Sunday, big wrestling day at at Pags. Paxamania <laughs> part two. Yeah, so that, that's uh, something new they've been doing. Well, they do the wrestling things at all the Pax shows. Mm-hmm. I think it's a uh, Pax Rumble. And PAX Prime. Right. And in New York, I mean, I'm in Boston, they do Paxomania, mm-hmm. which is uh, a little bit different. Um, they, they play like a series of different games. This one was kind of all over the place. Uh, they were supposed to have a performer open up, and apparently they never showed. But see, with these guys, I never know if they're telling the truth or if it's right. a story. Or Is it a work? Yeah, or is exactly. <laughs> I don't know what to believe them or not. So it was some kind of um, guitar bear or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he couldn't make it apparently, so um, they had to improv with whoever that guy is. Was it Tim or someone? I forget what his name is. I don't even know. So uh, I don't know. It was a little awkward. They didn't actually get to play a, a game, a wrestling game, for a good forty-five minutes mm-hmm. into the show. Right. Uh, Greg Miller. He's one of the. He's the commissioner, I guess. Of this. <laughs> Uh, pseudo wrestling organization. Mm-hmm. He was there. Um, always good for laughs. Um, the Giant Bomb guys. A lot of the, those. The crew. Uh, Samantha Coleman, who's the champion. She showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of a mess. I thought, <laughs> but it was still funny. <laughs> I think you can watch that on Twitch. That's probably archived. But uh, one of the cool things about it was Kaiju Big Battle, which is like a Boston wrestling group, mm-hmm. an indie group. Right. They showed up. And also, they had the Shikara wrestling group. They had two guys from that. Mm-hmm. So, it was kind of neat to see some... They're still indie feds, but other, you know, add some legitimacy to it a little bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a little wrestling added in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about that? Because you're probably not as much of a fan well, I just, as I am. But it was all just antics, you know what I mean? It was a big comedy show. It was an hour, hour, a little over an hour of, yeah... So, yeah, there was no actual matches. I mean, they almost got an N64 game on screen. They almost. got a, the intro screen. Well, what happened was, I think one of the controllers got busted when they did uh, one of, like, a fake fight sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what he did, but he smashed the controller by accident. <laughs> they did play NES Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, the championship match. And uh, they played WrestleMania Arcade. Right. 
But that those when they play them, they purposely throw the match because it was very brief. It's all yeah. They know who's gonna win, and it's all uh-huh. even even in <laughs> fake video game wrestling, which is like double fake. It's still it's predetermined. <laughs> I, I think they they managed to pull it off somehow. They managed to keep the flow moving, and uh, all, all the players I think did their, did their part very well. And the spoilers. Samantha kept her title, even though Austin Walker filled in for her to play the game. <laughs> it sounds like... She leaves as champion once again. I think there's a, there's a new feud brewing as, yeah. as a result. They're going to have to settle continued. it. Yeah. They're going to have to settle it at PAX it, Prime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Oh, I did want to buy... I was thinking about buying their t-shirts. They were mm. selling t-shirts and posters, and they said it was going to be available right outside the, the door. You know, when it was over, yeah, we went outside the door and there was no booth set up. And the 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 people who run packs, they were ushering people out like, you know, head this way. You got to get out. You got to get out. Right. So I don't know where, you know, who knows where to buy the where they were selling them or mm-hmm. if, if what happened. I don't know. But that's kind of unfortunate for them because they probably made whole bunch of posters and shirts to sell and they couldn't yeah well we did get the mini poster uh, well those are free though yeah yeah but they were selling like the full version of that mm, yeah i see hmm all right well yeah later on that day we did see kaiju big battle again they had their own panel we did um again this is a, a, like a think of ultraman or ultimate muscle Mm-hmm. Uh, meets wrestling right. <laughs> in real life. It's it's people in, in big monster costumes, Godzilla costumes, and mm-hmm. just battling it out, you know, kind of goofy. So this panel had uh, the guy who came up with the concept of Kaiju Big Battle, um, someone who plays a referee, another girl who plays some of the characters. They didn't say who character she plays. Yeah. And um, the guy who does the announcing for Kaiju Big Battle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the guy who runs the place, he kind of seemed a little like he was out of it. He says he hasn't slept in three days. I don't know. <laughs> his, his responses were very delayed and drawn out mm. and, uh, sometimes incoherent, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was interesting. I, I've been a big fan of Kaiju. I followed them since probably late nineties. Yeah. I think going that far back, I've been a big fan. I sort of drifted away for a while. I feel like they don't. Their presence, because uh, they used to be on G4 for a while, and they d- they've done some other things in the media, and I felt like they've kind of lost some of that traction they had going. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then also their tickets sort of went up in price, so <laughs> I stopped going. But um, I miss it. You know, they were a lot of fun to watch. So I, I enjoyed the panel, even though it was it seemed a little put together last minute, a little like a slapstick sort of yeah. goofy. Uh, they didn't announce. They have a video game. I guess that's why they were there. Uh, they do have a video game coming out, hopefully next year. Right. Yeah. It's called, an ar- yeah. What's it called? It's called Kaiju Big Battle Phyto Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. With an F. Yeah. <laughs> right. Two, two Fs. And uh, it's a 16-bit looking sort of like Final Fantasy mm-hmm. game using uh, some of the characters from, well, all the characters from the, the yeah. Kaiju Big Battle. It's, uh, it's, yeah, but it's like an, in an RPG style. Right. Type of game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, There's no action, real-time action. It's mm-hmm. all menu. Yep. They said it's coming out for PC and Android. They did say that. Either yeah, later we'll this see. year or early next year. Mm-hmm. Not my type of game, unfortunately. Uh, that's like the least uh, interesting right. thing I would do with that franchise, but whatever. I mean, I guess 
It could be. I think the owner of Kaiju is more interested in into stories than actual wrestling anyway, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did do a funny skit, though, where they did, like, uh, the bad guy was, was saying he was making his own game because he didn't like the other guy's game. So, um, he, he showed this, like, funny... It looked like it was like a student project sort of thing of like badly rendered 3D polygons. <laughs> that and was pretty funny. It went on a little bit long, but it was hysterical, I thought. That game was really falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of probably inside humor, too, if you're a game developer, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so so was- I, I, don't, I enjoyed that panel, but I don't know how other people might have perceived it. Yeah, it was fun. Uh-huh. Uh, there were a lot of other panels happening. I had a lot of stuff on my schedule, but yeah. there was just no way to see everything. It's hard. Even um, in three days, it's difficult. I, I didn't I didn't go to any of the actual Penny Arcade proper like title uh, you know panels, but again, those are all on on Twitch, so I can catch them there. Uh, Problem had, is, you got to show up a half hour to an hour earlier for a lot of these panels. A lot so of popular that ones. Your day. I know it's true. Um. There was just too much going on. Mm-hmm. There were concerts every night, Friday and Saturday night. Uh, nothing in particular that I wanted to see, so I didn't really make the effort to go there. Yeah. Uh, but those are usually pretty easy to get into. I remember in the early days of PAX, you actually had to get a wristband to get into the, the concert. Hmm. You had to show up in the morning at a certain time. Wow. And they would actually give out little wristbands, and you would just show those to go in. But I think once they started doing them enough, they realized... The room doesn't really fill up, um, or at least there might be an initial rush. People go in for a half an hour, and they, they head out and do something else. Yeah. And usually it's pretty easy to freely walk into the concert hall uh-huh. <laughs> uh, once it gets going. So that's cool yeah. for anybody who wants to check those out. Yeah, I mean, we didn't check out a lot of stuff. Like, there's, there's the jam rooms where people are just jamming out, playing music all day. Right. There's the tabletop area, which is like a whole... It's almost like the size of the video game area. Yeah. It's a whole other world. Yeah, if you're into tabletop games, there's a ton of those yeah. to see. Um, even, even the little, like, PC section of, like, uh, probably, like, a couple of dozen PCs, like like a LAN party sort of thing mm-hmm. set up, which looks awesome from, from above when you look down. Right. It's cool. But, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff to miss. Uh, there's some stuff happening outside of PAX, too. A lot of uh, after-party activity, so we managed to go to a couple of those. VIP. <laughs> That's right. So Thursday night, before PAX even started, uh-huh. uh, IGN hosted uh, a Battleborn uh, party, a launch party yeah. for the game. And this was at uh, a local club, something called Candy Bar. Mm. Um, what did you think of that place? Very neon. Very, yeah, yeah. Very glow stick. Glow stick, sure. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Um, they had a DJ playing when we got there. Typical club music. Yeah, her music was very uh, boring, I thought. Like you said, typical. Um, she also was not really into the... I mean, I hate... I, it's weird, because I, I hate when DJs over overdo it and mm-hmm. like bounce at every single beat and like... Right throwing their hands up in the air every two seconds, like, when, when they're not actually, like, doing anything, because just, you just press a button on a mixer and that's it. Yeah. So, like, I appreciate that she didn't do that, but at the same time, like, she, the crowd wasn't moving, and she didn't seem to make any attempt to, like, do something to try to make the crowd, like, get excited about what she was doing. Mm. 
Like, there's a fine line between... Well, that's the other end of the spectrum. The aloof DJ who just doesn't, <laughs> you know... It doesn't matter how much the room is jumping. Like, it was... Obviously, everyone was pretty bored. Yeah, well, yeah, it's I don't know. Until they got drunk a little There's bit. a gamer crowd, so who knows. Yeah. Well... <laughs> At some point, the IGN guy took over. I forget his name. Uh, Damon Hatfield. Okay. Damon Hatfield, I should say. He's uh, he, he's one he of the personalities. Booted the girl out. Well, not really, but it was he, his he time took to step over in. for her. Yeah, and he started. Well, for one thing, he started playing more. I think interesting music, depending on how you want to mm. define interesting. But it was more like modern dubstep and stuff like that. Yeah. So that, I think that resonated with the crowd a little bit more. And so they were getting into it. They started like more dancing and stuff. And then he was also like super exaggerated, you know, punching in the air and, you know, right. acting was, out the moves to the music and stuff. He was conducting the crowd. He was, yeah. He was singing along where there was singing, yeah. you know. So I mean, everyone came alive, I think, when he took over. Definitely knew what he was playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, as far as the whole Battleborn theme for the place, I mean, there were some demo stations set up. There was a photo booth. There was, you know, yeah, obviously. tucked away in the corner. Almost yeah. like I think if you did not see that little section when you walked in, you would never know it was a Battleborn party. Yeah, it was kind of folded in on itself. There was like a little <laughs> alcove you can go into where there was like maybe I don't know eight stations in there, and then a couple yeah. on the outside that you could sort of uh, watch the game from. Uh, I didn't. I didn't wait for any a chance to play the game. I figured, yeah. eh, I played the game at home. I, I got. I had gotten my fill of it. Um, but to be honest, that was probably the best chance to get the t-shirt. If you wanted to get the shirt, I think right. they were still giving them out there because they were. Uh-huh. I saw people carrying them mm-hmm. around. I know. Who knew? I didn't, I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't know. That's what you had to do to get the, to get the shirt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they, I didn't know either. Mm-hmm. But, but we, but we did get some we did get stuff. Some things, yeah. We got some coasters. <laughs> Yeah, but only because you grabbed them. Because otherwise, hey, that's, they didn't what give that's, that's what they're there for. Uh, what they did give it us was a good is thing you grabbed them because they were gone after like after you gave me the, that coaster. Yeah, like not even less than five minutes. I looked at the stack and the stack was gone. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I thought they would have enough for the whole night. Yeah, no, they never refilled it. Uh, but they did give out some gold rim shades. Yes, that you've probably seen a lot of people wearing because I've seen Randy Pitchford wore them. Yeah, that was his disguise. A to lot walk of, through a lot the of floor. Uh, uh, Greg Miller wore them. Uh-huh. Uh, just on Twitter, I see a lot of people in the media wearing them. Uh, yeah, and also uh, a pin of one of the characters. Yeah, from the game. My uh, least favorite character, right? Uh, characters called Orendi, uh-huh. a rogue attacker, whatever okay. that means. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we did get a free drink ticket too, which we redeemed for yeah. some, some vodka cranberry. So that was good. Yeah. I mean, for a free party, you know, who cares? It's free. Yeah. If I would paid for that, I would probably would have been sort of annoyed because it mm-hmm. wasn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We didn't, you know, we stayed for a little bit and then we kind of cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our next party was on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, was- harmonics had an event going on. They rented out the Hard Rock Cafe. The whole place. The whole place. <laughs> Which was... Including the gift shop. <laughs> amazing to me that they were able to take over that whole that whole place yep. on a Saturday night. I know. I wonder how much that cost them. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, that was... There was a there was admission for that show. Uh, yes. That, it was actually pretty hard to get, that ticket. <laughs> there was... Uh, I think it was only available for... Maybe a minute or two before it filled up. Wow, really? Uh, that was the second round of tickets that I managed mm. to get them. 
Uh, the first one might have been available for maybe 20 minutes until people figured mm-hmm. out that that was what was going on, that they were actually live with that with that sale. But um, yeah, it was it was it was decent. I, the reason I wanted to go was because. You know, they had some bands playing. Yeah. And among them was Freeze Pop, which yep. is, you know, a, uh, uh, sort of a synth pop band that we've both been following for a while. Yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. They're they're known, of course, by harmonics because they've been in their rock band game. They've been in Guitar Hero mm-hmm. and they've been in Amplitude. Right. And they've also been in other older games, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we we got super lucky. We actually found street parking like ten minutes before yeah, twice. parking was available. That's because we come from New York, so we know we got <laughs> street sense. We know we've what got to do. Manhattan level uh-huh. uh, parking skills. Yeah, it was a piece of cake. <laughs> I didn't think it was a problem at all. Uh, I, when we said that, we actually mentioned that we had, like we had to go because the two a.m. parking limit was coming up or something. Yeah, and he said you found street parking. <laughs> That's not possible. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but you know, we luckily found a spot. I, actually, we went to eat beforehand, um, right across the street in, I think, Faneuil Hall. I think that's how you say it. No. Could be. I don't know. <laughs> but unfortunately, and we didn't know this, that there was plenty of finger food at the harmonics yeah, party. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Because I was teased by seeing trays and trays of like banquet style, like food everywhere. They had, and I was so full from dinner that we just ate. I mean, we had a nice, like you know, uh, noodle like dinner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that. That well, was good, but but if I would have known, endless supply of chicken pot stickers and spring rolls, sliders, and sliders, and pigs in a blanket. Uh huh. Um, at at the party, yeah. Yeah, we did get a two drink tickets, right? Also. And the drinks were heavily alcoholed. <laughs> they did not skimp. Uh, it was a little, I'd say it was disappointing. There, They had one section of the place set up for a VR, harmonics VR section. Yeah, so there was actually some gaming there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then the room was split. It was one half VR and then the other half was, well, only one VR station, that's it. Yeah. And the other half was one rock band kit. Mm-hmm. And they had like a, you know, a TV and... small little amps you can barely hear the the game but um i don't know i thought for the company trying to sell these things trying to like get people involved i I wasn't that impressed by their rock band setup um it didn't even have the symbols attached but maybe that's not something that works on rock band 4 but Mm -hmm. uh, i don't know it was was just kind of like it seemed sort of like someone they can do that in their basement sort of thing like, I was hoping for something bigger. You know, this is like a rock band party. This was going to be, you know, harmonics doing this. But, I don't know. It was still fun. I played I played two songs mm-hmm. of rock band. I, I missed that game. It's a good one. <laughs> I love those r- rhythm games. They're fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would have expected more stations, too. Uh, I started to get in line for the VR thing, and then I saw that it was going to be a while. So, I didn't really want to get stuck on that line. Yeah. So, I ended up ducking out of it. And the bands went for like five hours. It was a long show. Uh, the the band called The Warning, which I never personally heard of, but my friend did. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that they were like one of those bands that were on YouTube because it was like the it's these like seven to ten year olds or something like that. Right. That they look like kids, and then you hear them play, and they play this like sick like heavy metal, right? Like thrash metal kind of stuff. 
And uh, I was surprised. They were really good. The singer was great. The guitarist was great. The drummer was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were, they apparently, from what the story they told us was, they started playing rock band, and that which made them want to start a band and learn instruments. Yeah, right. So that's why harmonics brought them in. They flew them in from Mexico, or they're on tour. I don't know why, but they're mm-hmm. from, from Mexico. They were there courtesy of the company. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. There was also uh, a local band called Prince's Problems. Mm-hmm. Never heard of them. Uh, Astro, Astro Blaster or Auto Blaster. Auto Blaster. Sorry, Auto Blaster. Uh-huh. And uh, they're in Amplitude. They have a song in there. They're considered the Amplitude House Band, basically. Probably, yeah. Um, their song. I like the song in the game. It didn't translate as well live as mm-hmm. I thought it was going to. The, I think their set started out a little slow, but I thought, thought it got better towards the end. Right. Uh, also, Beer Stronaut played, mm. which I didn't really care for their music mm. at all. But I, um, I don't know. They seem to hype them up a lot. They seem to be friends with them. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know who they were. That, that whole Their whole set kind of bored me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not... I don't know how you would describe it. It's very synth-heavy, but it's not a style I, I, I tend to gravitate to. Yeah. Um... But I think they they seem to get the room moving. They were tight, yeah. A lot of, you know, crowd was into it, so. Definitely. But I was there for Freeze Pop. <laughs> right, yeah. I, so I we, we got to hang out with them and, and stuff. Had a long, nice long talk with the band. They're always very friendly, very approachable. Oh, yeah, sure. And they announced their Kickstarter. <laughs> That's right. For their new album, which is already met by the time you listen to this, so. Uh, yeah. They're there, yeah, they're kickstarting the... Uh-huh. production of their next album and uh they hit their thirty thousand dollar goal yep. in like no time flat uh but i ended up picking a couple of things from their merch table i got their their uh, the song that was in amplitude uh phantoms, phantoms. Mm-hmm. they had they put out as a digital ep so i got the little access card for that um, but you can just freely download it off of some w- random website <laughs> i wanted the card <laughs> <laughs> I also picked up a fridge magnet with their little pie symbol. They're, they have oh, like a cool. little, they have a little um, number sequence that they do for Pie Day. Yeah. So I got like a little, perfect little, little magnet of that. Um, yeah, their t-shirt t-shirt selection was not as good as other shows I've been at of theirs. Yeah, I guess this is just what they smaller, had handy. Yeah, a little smaller merch table. Or just they just haven't had anything new for a while. I think. Could be. So I'm sure we'll see some when the album comes out. Of course. Um, um, we, we did grab a little goodie prize on the way right. out. There was a door prize for attending. A, a rock candy Apple lightning cable. <laughs> right. But the, I guess PDP is uh, Harmonix's new partner for the oh, rock that's right. band he instruments. Was there. Yeah. So. Uh, they, were, they gave out some prizes. I forgot about that. that well, that's, this is it. They make yeah. the rock candy accessories. Oh, okay. Do they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So. Um, so that's where that came from. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, lightning cables are expensive. I think, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I didn't open mine yet, but I think, I think it's just colored ends. I don't think it lights up. It doesn't glow. It's not one of those. I don't believe so. It's still, it's MFI. So Mm -hmm. those are usually like 25. It's a six foot cable. It's not like the normal three. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully attendees have iOS devices to use them with. I know. I know. Right. Or Apple products. But you know, if you don't. Here's well, they a, must because they're all gone. We were lucky we got like, right. one of the last few that were left. Very true. Um, yeah, so that was uh, kind of it for the party activity. Yeah. 
I guess I'll I'll give you a quick list of the stuff I bought at the show because I actually did go a little bit. I did go shopping at uh, at you Pax a little bit. You went crazy. I didn't go completely bonkers compared to last year. You did. You think so? Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. Hmm. All right. What do you have? Let's well, see. all right. So from Think Geek, I'm uh-huh. going to start with those guys. Okay. Uh, for one thing, they had. They had uh, free buttons that they were giving out every every day. So for each day of the show, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they had uh, a free little pin that you can get for saying the secret phrase. Yeah, which they post on Twitter. Which they posted on Twitter so each this, day. So this year they did a Mortal Kombat theme. Mm-hmm. Last year was Donkey Kong, or Nintendo, I don't know what you would call it. But um, I missed out for some reason. They sold out of the... Free buttons, very like within the first hour. So right, I was disappointed, but this year we were able to get all three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the phrases were things like "test your might," uh huh, and "flawless victory," and the final one was "mortal combat." Mortal combat. <laughs> <laughs> Something like the song. I'm not going to do it. No. But from the booth, I, I did buy uh, one of their uh, what they call penny arcade pins. So. Mm. So uh, this was a thing that started a couple of years ago, and I was never really that into it. But for some reason, the ones that were offered this year kind of caught my attention. So you know, for for you know, PAX means Penny Arcade Expo, based on the webcomic Penny Arcade. So they do this little thing called Penny Arcade instead, uh-huh. where they sell these custom little pins from different booths, depending on you know your, what you're into, and. So ThinkGeek had a couple of different ones, and they had the Half-Life uh, logo, and that's the one that I ended up buying from them. Okay. They had a couple of other ones that was like a 20-sided die, and also, uh, you know, on on fire. <laughs> and they also had a Minecraft uh, brick as one of their other pins. But I ended up just getting the Half-Life one. Most of their merchandise seemed to be kind of Mega Man or Zelda-themed. Um, some Star Wars and some D&D stuff, too. Um, did you end up picking something up from there? I think I bought the hair bows. Oh, okay. It was like a six pack of like little barrettes. Right. But they're eight bit looking bows. Mm hmm. So they were kind of neat. I have the large hair bow already, (laughs) but it doesn't stay well in my hair. I think I only worn it once. So these are like little mini clips, which I think will hold in my hair better. Mm -hmm. And I will be wearing them soon. (laughs) (laughs) It was good because the last day... Um, the little secret. At the last day of the show, Think Geek lowers their prices on some of their items. Mm-hmm. So I was I was hoping like that was going to be one of the items, and they did. They lowered it. So oh, nice. I bought it at a discount. Very good. Yeah. You're a thrifty Think Geek shopper. Times are tough. <laughs> That's why I didn't buy much. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I also went to the Bethesda store. They had a little store in their booth, and I picked up a couple of items. I think I went more nuts there than I did anywhere else. Uh, so they also had a little pin that I wanted to get of, you know, their, their mascot for fallout is the vault boy, um, character. Uh Um, but they had a variant, uh, vault girl this year. Yeah. That was kind of neat. So I kind of liked that one, Uh picked that one up. Uh, I did get a couple of t-shirts and one of them was like the black on black doom logo looked for the new game coming out. Uh, as well. Oh, you bought that t-shirt? I did. Okay. And I also got uh, another one Fallout themed, which was the 8-bit Vault Dweller shirt. Yeah, he looks like Mega Man. Uh-huh. Like the original 8-bit Mega Man. Right, right. So they showed this character during 
their promos, you know, during for, for demos for Fallout 4 before it came out, mm-hmm. showing you, you know, like things that you could build in the game. And, you know, I guess that was one of the obvious things that people seem to like. So they made a shirt out of it. Uh, I also picked up a plushie from Doom, of all things. One of the one of the enemies in the game, the pain elemental. <laughs> of course. It looked awesome. You so I had, that, yeah. I had to get it. I had to get it. <laughs> Definitely. Who who doesn't want more plushies in their life? And more pain elementals. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I also stopped by the Double Fine booth. Double Fine makes many games that are known to people, such as uh, Psychonauts and... Brutal Legend and Costume Quest. Um, so they had an interesting boxed version of a bunch of their games. Ten of their games in, in a box for $40. You know, $4 per game, obviously. Each um, game had a custom cover for the box that you could replace. So you could swap out the cover of the box for any of the... It's, these are just like large postcards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the front of the box is cut out, so you could just slip it in, anyone in there that you wanted to use for display purposes. Yeah. Well, you were on the fence about that one until he told you that even though it's one Steam code, if it's games you already own, you'll be able to gift those codes, right. those games to other people. Yes. So I think that kind of sold it for you. Yeah, it makes it easier. We'll see if that actually works out. Yeah, I know. Um... Good news is, I think most of the games that I might have already, I might not have redeemed the other code. Oh, okay. Um, codes couple, don't expire? Uh, no, no. They're hmm. always good. Hmm. Um, unless, you know, unless the unless it's one of those freebie codes that the vendor set on yeah. expiration on. Mm-hmm. But if you bought the game, it won't ever expire. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have some of these games. Some of these games I might even have on console. I think some of these came out for Xbox 360, for example. Yeah, they're a little bit older. So, um, the box seemed kind of fragile. I think I'm going to have to get one of those, like... I know. One of those box protectors. The, the clear plastic things, yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. But it's a nice item. And yeah, also got... Exactly. It's cool. A pin from that table as well. Uh, Roz, the main character from Psychonauts. Okay. A little pin of that. Um, and did, of course, get the PAX logo t-shirt <laughs> this year. Which was uh, a great style shirt. I mean, I had to make it a little different mm-hmm. just to give myself an excuse to get it. Um, and I think that's pretty much the extent of my shopping. I didn't end up picking up anything oh, okay. else. So that's not too bad. Yeah. The only other thing I picked up was a Nuclear Throne t-shirt. Mm. That's it. And that is like a, a montage of all the characters in the game. But it's uh, the one I picked out was a purple shirt with like a, and their characters were in a greenish kind of hue. Mm-hmm. So it has this sort of like psychedelic look to it, I guess. I, don't, I like it. Yeah, I think it's available from Fan Gamer. Uh, maybe. I think that's where we it first saw be. it. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah maybe. Because mm. I know it comes in two colors, so I don't know if, if they sell both colors or not. Right. Yeah. But, uh, all right, cool. Yeah, so this is this was PAX. That was PAX, yeah. That's not even everything, but I think after two hours, you've, you've made it this far. I think you've probably heard <laughs> enough. You know what we did forget? For uh, Something about a dungeon, maybe. <laughs> um, forgettable Dungeon. Forgettable Dungeon. <laughs> There's a game we saw called Forgettable Dungeon. Yep. It just looks like, uh, you know, 3D Dot Heroes or something for some reason. It does look like that, It yeah. reminded me of that look. Uh-huh. But we we walked past your table 
<laughs> at least three times and made that joke every time. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this unedited, uncut, special version of our Paxis coverage of mm-hmm. 2016. And uh, continue to leave us any feedback. We will cover any further feedback next week on next week's episode, which will not happen next week because <laughs> we're skipping a week. Yeah. Vacation week coming up. Yep. So, so we'll be back in two weeks. And we'll have some more games to talk about. And you can reach us on Facebook at our Brooklyn Bites or uh, email us at obbfeedback at gmail.com. Yep. Otherwise, I have nothing else to say. So have a great week. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.